Welcome to Light the Sky, episode 13 for the 13th Pink Floyd album. We are going track by track, album by album, and A Momentary Lapse of Reason is up uh, next here. 1987 release, and what a monster year for albums. Uh, I am not going to hide it. I am not going to hide my bias whatsoever. I love the 80s. It is my decade of music. Not even my decade. I wasn't even alive for all but two years of it. But anyway, like it was just, you know, 1970s are great. 80s. I love a good 80s album. And here we are. Happy to lead with that. And I mean, just you think about 1987, you had um, you had uh, Guns N' Roses uh, and their debut album, one of the biggest selling debut albums of all time, although that probably happened more in 88. You had Dirty Dancing. You had Rick Astley. Uh, you had Def Leppard Hysteria. You had Whitney Houston and towering over them all, not Pink Floyd, but Michael Jackson's bad what oh, yeah. a year for albums. The fact that Pink Floyd could put out an album, one album removed from a 40 million record selling The Wall. You know, what do you, what do you want to call that? 30 million, however many they sold. Yeah, 30 and Monster 30, yeah. album. And they can't even hit number one in 87. Not because they put out an album that didn't chart well or sell well, just because you had Def Leppard putting out Hysteria and you had Michael Jackson putting out Bad yeah, in the same yeah, year. Yeah. It's just White nuts. Snake self-titled. White yeah. Snake. Oh, there's yes, so indeed. much, so much in 87. Um, I mean, there's just... Uh, it, 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 it's just a great year for music, I think, and uh, really rivals. Um, I mean, even... Slippery Run Wet was still on the charts. You had U2 yeah. and Joshua Tree. Um, you know, that was their, their debut. Yeah. It's girls, just, girls, it, girls. Yeah. Need I say more? Not to forget, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah Gotta throw that one in there. Does that one kick off with Wild Side? Is that it the does one? kick yes, off with Wild Side. It's all right, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're we're not talking Motley Crue. I think that might be our first mention of Motley Crue on this uh, on this uh, Pink Floyd discography. But let's get back <laughs> to Pink Floyd and the album that they released post Roger. Um, tensions within the band certainly were. Um, you know, it's hard to understate uh, how um, you know tough it would be to be a member at the time and uh david thought he would do it on his own i guess and uh released an album and i guess brought nick and uh richard back in the fold maybe even just for legal reasons uh we're not really going to get too much into that because we talk music here um but you know it seemed to be kind of more of a um you know, a Dave solo album, uh, as much as the others were Roger solo albums. So it's kind of an interesting compare and contrast. And before I get into my statement, you know, I will just have to throw out there that, yeah, as much as I, uh, did like final cut, not so much the wall. Um, you know, regardless of that, I'm a bit tired of the guy. Uh, he's been, uh, uh, it's going a little, it's been going downhill since animals. So, uh, uh, I as am our weekly, uh, weekly chat might've, uh, might've shown during the week. Earlier. Yeah, it, it's, it's right. definitely a, uh, uh a breath of fresh non-COVID air uh, to have uh, Dave back in the, uh, uh, the the driver's seat for Pink Floyd. So definitely appreciate that. And uh, yeah, I'll throw it over to Chris. Give us your opening thoughts for a momentary lap of reason. All right. Uh, sit back, everybody. All right. Uh, <laughs> Strap in. Yeah, yeah, Hunker yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> He's got notes. Yeah, I do. I actually wrote out a, this is probably the first time I've actually done this not on the fly here yeah, where i kind of <laughs> you did an essay do you have your thesis 
It was weird because I was thinking about just like, well, but I'm like, no, this is actually like kind of a good discussion for this. Uh, so, yeah, just we'll keep comments until the end, but uh, here it goes. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, so struggled quite a bit with what to say about this one, considering I had to shift my protocol a bit in ju judging it compared to the last couple records and based on the band we're discussing. Uh, but if there's one thing I can say with certainty is that it made me realize how shallow I can be as a music listener. <laughs> <laughs> for all of, for all of its faults, borrowing many melodic ideas from uh, other artists, throwing everything, including the kitchen sink, uh, at it in relation to the music technology of the time, and experiments that don't uh, quite go anywhere, uh, this album did put a very warm feeling right in the pit of my stomach. Yeah. <laughs> yes. As a, as a big lover of synth pop and synth rock, though for this particular discussion. Putting aside what I loved about this album, overall I have to be critical of the band's approach, taking into account other artists such as Peter Gabriel and Genesis, who embraced and in certain aspects gave birth to these musical styles, uh, still offered something that was uniquely them. Uh, and artistically speaking, uh, for a band operating under the Pink Floyd banner, uh, here it just kind of felt like a lazy attempt at jumping on the trend wagon, trying to emulate what other artists did better. Um, it could also be the fact that there were quite a few songwriters or too many cooks in the kitchen when it came to the writing you can kind of tell sometimes on here it just felt like i don't know they were just yeah kind of ping-ponging everywhere yeah trying to okay let's do this let's do this let's do this sometimes it's great a lot of the time i just again as a as a shell listener i yeah i, I yeah I, I was eating this up um and again and to really paint an image uh i don't know where this came from but uh this album um it's kind of the equivalent to eating a bowl of lucky charms inside a museum now listen, art or a history museum, you may very well be in a place that has a reputation for offering products of a higher artistic value, but it doesn't change the fact that at the end of the day, these lucky charms you're consuming are still lucky charms. A wonderfully unhealthy sugary delight, uh, not altered by the environment or the people contributing to it, uh, filled with empty calories that don't offer anything more than a buzz. But for all those bu buzzes, I don't think I've listened to a record as much as I have with this one enjoying every minute of it it's again did it surpass sane anger oh yeah i mean this is this is a, this is an album i anyway yeah i'm not done yet oh um, wait sorry sorry standing ovation standing ovation is a little too early yeah. here let me back up yeah. a second yeah well uh we'll also say i do agree um with a lot of other people <laughs> have said it would have made a great dave solo record um but I feel the, yeah, the, the in general, um, yeah, this album is not strong enough to kind of hold the Floyd. Maybe a good mid higher tier synth rock band, but yeah, as a Floyd album, it just felt. I mean, if it wasn't, if anybody could have made this kind of record, I mean, it could whether it's Depeche Mode or uh, mm. or, or Peter Gabriel, any, any of those guys. I mean, yeah, the, yeah, take your pick. Um, but unfortunately, it probably wouldn't have sold the 10 million copies that it did if it were just like a Gilmore solo record. Uh, so taking that all into consideration, um, uh, kind of balancing out uh, what I didn't like and what I absolutely loved about this, I'm going to kind of stick around a 6.5 out of 10. All right, Alex, you can give me a hand now. <laughs> you know, that's a, a, a love letter with a just a, yeah, I don't know, 6.5. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so, boy, uh, I am I up next? I'm Kevin, glad you, you went first though. That was wonderful. How am I gonna follow that? Yeah, that's tough. Chris stealing <laughs> the show at the jump here. Oh, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. This album, I've been waiting to get to this album, and I think a lot of 
uh, the points Chris made were good, uh, both the positives and the criticisms. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, you have a quite a lot of Dave on this album and, you know, not so much of the other members. You're kind of trying to find where they are. And, uh, you know, you, you could level that at the band if you want. But this is my time to have fun with Pink Floyd. Everybody's been waiting for it, okay? I, I've been under 50% Pink Floyd love for a long time. Sitting at and 49 now, right now. <laughs> now is my time to come into the light here. This <laughs> album... 13 has, albums in. Has, 13 albums in. This album is one of my favorites. Um, and it, funny enough, it also contains some of my favorite concepts that pink floyd has dealt with okay. we are we, we are um and we can talk about that but some of the things like roger is just getting a little bit too on the nose for me let's just put it that way and you know i've i've stated that i don't want to go back to that already you can listen to those episodes but you know and eventually when you get to the track by track i'll say what i like about it but this album is so inspiring to me that it furthered and kind of kicked off the creation of my own album in both sonically and musically um i always come back to this album there are songs on here that are some of my favorite songs not just of pink floyd but maybe of all time and i'm going to give this a personal 9.5 wow beautiful very Very nice i really wanted to give it a higher rating but i I had to i had to kind of separate yeah my love oh, for I to- the- yeah. you know what I, I, totally totally get get maybe kevin goes to the art institute and he goes to the snack vendor and he wants some lucky charms <laughs> <That's nice. laughs> sit there and look, eat he wants some munch sugary cheerios and look at monet <laughs> doesn't sound like a bad afternoon to me no not yeah, at all I, uh, yeah i know i yeah i don't know i i, have uh, I, I totally yeah. get chris's chris yeah. chris's point yeah. too so yeah Excellent work, boys. So I'll come in. Uh, I I think that was wonderful. Uh, you both, I, I probably won't have a lot much more to add to that. And I'll absolutely agree with Chris uh, that it it I do see why people would consider it a David Gilmore solo album, uh, even though I haven't really listened to much of any, uh, if any, Dave's solo stuff, except maybe a little bit of Rattle That Lock. Uh, but regardless... I, I love it. It's a wonderful, complete opposite to what we came yeah. from. I know that I was probably a little kinder to the final cut than uh, some other people, but you come to this and it's like, oh man, Boom, okay, yeah. this is what we've been waiting for. And, you know, as you guys know, like Mark, 80s is my decade, my favorite decade of music. A lot of that synth pop, 80s pop, rock, hair metal, I grew up on it. I still listen to it all the time. So just kind of by default, if an album comes out signing, sounding like this, I'm going to love it. Uh, it is hard to judge it as a Pink Floyd album because it doesn't really sound much like a full Pink Floyd band to me. Uh, really, right. and that's where Chris comes in. It's like... It does kind of sound like Peter Gabriel and Genesis, and it does sound like any band could kind of have put this out. But the, I, I'm just going to give it 
my rating because it's just an album that I genuinely love regardless of who it's by. Yeah. It's so many earworms and it's so many times I would go back and revisit this album. So I'm going to give it a 7.5. Originally, when I was first listening to this, I'm like, oh man. Like, cause the only song, I, <laughs> yeah. the only song I knew, I think going into this album was learning to fly and yeah. believe it or not, I, I feel like I didn't even recognize the title at first, kind of like a young lust thing where it's like, you, like, Oh, I don't, I don't know what that song is, but then you hear it and it's like, Oh yeah, I know that song. I just didn't know the title of it. So I heard that. And then I got a few tracks down and I'm like, Holy crap. We got another goodbye blue sky <laughs> moment where I just discovered my, <laughs> my next favorite Pink Floyd album of song of all time. And if it wasn't for the uh, uh, Delicate Sound of Thunder live show, I don't know if I would have liked this this much, uh, because a lot of times me getting into albums, uh, having a concert video to pair it with really helps. Uh, kind of like, Kevin, we've talked about with the Huey Lewis, that one, oh, yeah. four, that one four concert on the four tour that we just happened to find that one day at work, and it turned our world around. <laughs> and it just, I mean, I, I, I already loved Huey so much, but just finding that concert, it's like, oh man, this is like a top 10 band now because of this concert. And mm-hmm. I went and I paid the four bucks and I got the 4K UHD remastered version of the Delicate Sound of Thunder show and I watched it. And uh, <laughs> it's just a, it, a fantastic show. Everything about it, the EMG single coils, the fits, the stage, just I'm Team Dave. And uh, <laughs> let me just kind of wrap it up in saying that I listened to this album so many times uh, in prep. And then I had I got to the point where I think I was listening to it a little too much, so I needed to take a break from it. And I was listening to it on a long drive home from seeing my girlfriend up in Madison. And just listening to it on that that two-hour drive, I'm like, okay, maybe it's not as good as I originally thought, but I still love it. And my, yeah, my rating's gonna be a 7.5. I said, the opposite of the final cut in every way, now a Dave solo album, question mark, Incredible 80s album, but hard to judge as a Pink Floyd album. Side one is extremely strong. Uh, maybe the fir- the best one through four punch the band has had. Uh, but side two starts to sag a little bit. Regardless, I am now Team Dave. And just to kind of put the icing on the cake while I'm Team Dave, I found out that, I, I never knew this, but David Gilmour produced uh, the self-titled The Dream Academy album. I don't know if you guys are familiar yeah. with that album. Uh, but the song uh, The Edge of Forever that appeared in the Fer- uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, one of my favorite movies of all time, I've been wanting to cover that song f- ever since I heard it like 10, 15 oh. years ago. And the fact that David produced that album, it's like Dave is king. See a Raj. Oh, that's that, that's that one with that massive like chorus, like the hey, mom, um, was it that one? Oh, that that's Life in a Northern Town, but uh, but that, same, al- a, same yeah, album, same album. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. I, Alex, if you tell me a song that is called The Edge of Forever, I'm there. Please listen to that <laughs> Turn song. On the events. There, there's a. Uh, well, the Smiths cover isn't actually on this album, but anyway, the fact that David produced that album, it. it I totally see where this sound came from because Dream Academy came out in 85. This came out in 87. Yeah. And you can hear a lot of the same sort of melodies and sounds. And it's just, there you go. There you go. Absolutely beautiful. Majestic.
Is this in Ferris Bueller? Yeah, it's a scene at the very end when uh, Ferris is running home and he kisses Salone and she's like, he's going to, I'm going to marry him. He's, he's going to marry says. him someday. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So it's right before the run home. It's like the perfect song for that scene and I've I loved it ever since I heard it. So anything that sounds like that and like the outfield and Depeche Mode and all that kind of stuff, oh, that's yeah. like my favorite. So if there's an album that sounds like this, just by default, I'm going to love it. So that's where I'm at. I mean, Incredible hell, you album. A, you look at a lot of my playlists on my phone. I mean, half of the stuff that I'm listening to right now are all like synth-inspired rock music. Even my guitar playing is starting to kind of be influenced by that. Yeah, where I just uh, kind yeah, of just Tom, subco- subconsciously just go to that. Yeah, Tom, Thompson <laughs> Twins. Just any John Hughes band is like that is yeah. it for me. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. John, you know, it's John. interesting. I, I uh, you know, have to echo Alex more than I echo Chris or Kevin. Just being that, um, you know, it sounds weird because, um, I mean, this show specifically is uh, setting out to evaluate this music without bias. We didn't grow up in this era. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe, Chris, you were alive when this album was released. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, early 87. I was probably like six months old or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I, Kevin, uh, Alex and I were not even born yet. So like it's definitely a um, they're like there is no nostalgia, but it just drips nostalgia for me. I mean, oh, for yeah. some reason, it just has that that uh, like it feels it sounds like the companion album to an incredible 80s movie. Yes. That is also mm-hmm. not trying to be an 80s movie. It just is. There's one like- song in particular that just totally mirrors, and Kevin will know, but my favorite movie of all time. I won't ruin it yet. He'll know what okay. I'm talking about. But it's like you see, you hear the song, and you know exactly what scene of that movie it comes in. <laughs> mm. I mean, it, but it, and, and to me, it's more of an 80s movie like um, like Wall Street or, right. you know, like, mm. like where it, it is not trying to be 80s. Like right. not it, has, it has a timeless feel to it. It's not a coming of age film. I mean, it kind of is a coming of age film, but like where it just happens to be set in 1988 New York or whatever. And it just it just is it just the ethos is so strong. <laughs> it is so it, it is just like the, the whole feeling of the time is right there. And so as much as I was disappointed in um, uh, the final cut not as a whole album, but just for the fact that it was released in 83 yet it didn't incorporate really the the sounds of 83 when it could have, and that would have been fascinating to hear from Pink, Plo- Pink Floyd. This goes all in on the sounds of 87, and that is always a win for me. Always. Uh, I so, agree. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what else to say about I mean, it definitely isn't a perfect album. Like, there's, you know, I've got my rants saved for a certain member of the right. band. Um, you know, there's... Uh, I think we might. I think we might all. <laughs> I, right. I, I love how this album sounds so cleanly 80s, yet timeless. If you listen mm-hmm. to Radio Chaos, Roger's effort that came out at the same time, it's got more of a dated 80s feeling to it. I do um, know so, what you mean. Yeah, yeah credit I, to them. For that. I would say that like, there are there are a few moments on here which I'll point out in the track by track that I did feel kind of do set it to its era like in a, mm-hmm. not in a good way but yeah like the strongest moments on here that's like that's what synth rock is yeah that, but that's radio what chaos it is. is top to bottom yeah. just it almost sounds it sounds a lot more Huey Lewis in the news and it does sound Peter Gabriel right um, but this might so um, I mean it, it, a couple of weeks ago uh, actually about just a month ago when we were covering Dark Side of the Moon 
Um, I was in Miami at the time with my wife and son. And, you know, there were just some moments that were just so great with the top down and driving the overseas highway and having us and them on. And as much as I enjoy that, I kind of wish that we had done this <laughs> album that week yeah. because there are just like, there is just Miami, 1986, 1987, all of, which is so weird coming from UK. Bust um, out the white know. suit and the turquoise t-shirt underneath. Yeah. yeah. And just, and just, just <laughs> like being on the beach or on a boat or just, just that, that whole sunset vibe. I know Chris, you're more of a Tampa guy. So like, but you can definitely see that. That, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, there's just a, a Floridian quality to this music and, and maybe mm-hmm. it's just Miami Vice that's doing it. But I mean, I don't know. There's a little bit of a Magnum P.I. in mm-hmm. it, too, which is Hawaiian. And, uh, you know, later Magnum P.I. would get a little bit poppy with their uh, soundtrack selections. So in all, I am going to give this a, eh, you know what, I'll go 7.5 on it because it, it definitely, you know, lacks the group effort to make yeah, it a 10. I, I can't I can't give it a it, yeah. I can't give it a nine or a nine point five when it really is just one guy kind of almost doing it for more legal reasons. But uh, man, is it full of uh, full of good stuff. So uh, yeah. let's get to it. All right, we're starting off with signs of life. Uh, yeah, 1987, 1983 called It Wants Its Vibe Back. These, it was funny, I, I, listening to the song, all I could think of was Scarface. Like, just the synth parts that were that just kind of are, are just dripped all over that movie. Uh, specifically, Kevin, if you could queue up, uh, like, uh, 1 minute 30. 1.30. Yeah, I was... And it probably doesn't help that I just watched yeah, that movie a few days ago. Yeah, my dad had it on, so I just... And I'm like, that just that sounds like 8283 synth. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And I did put on here, I mean, I like the... Yeah, as far as the cinematic vibe, because you hear, like, signs of life. Okay, it sounds like somebody's on a lifeboat looking for... But again, we're not... This isn't Titanic. This is Pink Floyd during their glitz and glam phase like i don't want i just want it yeah to just take it out. or even do the eyeliner phase exactly and there's so much stronger stuff like synth uh, like work on this record why did they have to kind of date it so much on this one um and again i um i think you played that one little clean little guitar part kevin uh with yeah. that harmonics um all right that goes to my first clip if you could play uh uh sure where do you want yeah, if you could just started i uh, just start at the beginning It's that. But you can stop it anyway. That was. Yeah. 
But yeah, ELP, yeah, Anderson Lake and Palmer, yeah, from the beginning. Yeah, that's what I... Okay. This this is just an 80s version of that, and I don't know, it just kind of... I don't know, there was just too much of that there that really kind of <laughs> bugged me, and I just couldn't let it go. But uh, <laughs> but that's pretty much all I have to say. Yeah, as far as an opening yeah. track, I think they could have... Yeah, I think this was a wasted opportunity. Yeah, the original yeah. Idea, originality of this is a bit lacking. Yeah. yeah so, true, I but say- if you wanted to reassure somebody that this is going to be... They're going to get the guitar solos back and we're going to get Pink Floyd-ish stuff with sound effects and synths. I mean, it's not wrong. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, when I first heard it, I thought there was some cool stuff going on. And then I listened to the, the rest of the album and it's like, all right, it does seem to be a bit lacking. I, I guess I just said fine. Uh, I said very eerie and cinematic. And Mark, you might hear this as well, too. And I guess this, in a way, kind of ties into Chris's dated uh, comment. But if you can queue up right around one minute and 48 seconds, maybe do like 146 or so. Sounds very Stanley Kubrick to me right around here. Almost the shine. like the record store in uh, yeah, Clockwork Orange. Clockwork, yeah. yeah, that or, or The Shining almost a little bit. But uh, I said, you know, we're back to that uber clean, pristine Gilmore Strat tone straight into the board, it sounds like. And you don't hear you didn't hear any of that on uh, the final cut, uh, but you did hear it on the wall a little bit. And I also had one other timestamp too. right around three minutes and 58 seconds. There was some sort of octave moves that Dave was doing that sounded almost a little bit jazzy to me. And um, and I asked some newest jazz playing from Dave. Question. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of kind of reminds me of Hendrix a little bit, like those kind of some of those sliding lines. Yeah. yeah, it just seemed like some of the the chord shapes sounded almost like a little clean, jazzy, like you play it like on a big, uh, kind of like semi hollow Gibson or something like that. Of course, it it ends very bluesy, but just some of that that little sounded a little jazzy. But yeah, it's cool and it and it does sort of paint the picture of floating out on the river and it it, it kind of ties in with the album cover. But I almost look at the endless river and it almost seems like it would fit that album cover a little bit more, but. I think it's a cool intro and it transitions well, but I think it could have been better, I suppose. Yeah, there, I mean, when you talk about cinema with this, it's hard for me to place because one of my favorite John Carpenter films and uh, scores is Prince of Darkness. And uh, actually, Alan uh, uh, Horwath uh, also composed music for that, to be fair. Um, it's got Mystery Science Theater star Donald Pleasance uh, in that movie, too. I was literally uh, doesn't just... He have, I was doesn't he have an just, Alice Cooper cameo, too? Yeah, Alice Cooper's in it, too. I was yeah. literally about to watch that movie. That was like one of the main Carpenter movies or from that era that I haven't seen. Yeah, it's a bit of an underground, if there is such a thing, uh, within the John Carpenter series. But, I mean, there's just so much of that. It was also a 1987 movie. Uh, I just looked it up, and it came out after this album. But it really just shows how much of 87 just bleeds through everywhere. I mean, this is basically the whole score. is just stuff like this. Which I love. I mean, it's it's all great stuff but i mean there's just so much bleeding through i think that um it just makes it a little bit less um 
poignant. It just is kind of there as a, you know, I, I don't know if I agree with Chris in terms of it sounding like 83. I, I think it just does bang on right into 87 because, you know, uh, the, the synths that were in 87 are maybe a little bit more digital. I mean, you're at your D50 as opposed to your DX7, you know, less FM and more. Um, what would a D50 be considered? It's a, a digital waveform synth, isn't it? Uh, it's what did they end up calling a linear it? There's, synthesizer there's a, or something? Yeah, it's a digital sample with a kind of mm-hmm. regular analog, analog, even though it wasn't. And, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a uh, it, just a, a more uh, liquid sound to me. So it, it's a yeah, uh, I, I don't. But Pink Floyd isn't really going for the horror film vibe. They're not going for the Stanley Kubrick or the John Carpenter. So uh, it's kind of like this one is is a bit uh, off the mark in terms of uh, what it paints, at least in my personal opinion. I wouldn't disagree with any of that as obviously somebody who gave the album a high rating. Um, I, I feel like it's the, this song is a little bit just kind of there. Yeah. Especially for its running yeah. length, which is almost five minutes. Yeah, that's, and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit too long, you know, when you think about it. There's one thing that I did enjoy on this lesson that I never noticed before, and I don't know why. It makes me feel kind of like a dunce. But, um, did, like, the mirroring of Dave's solo, with there's a super high kind of whistling synth that mirrors his solo line right after he plays it. And I never noticed that before, but I thought it was a nice touch. Just somebody put some thought into that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I appreciated that, at least. Yeah, but, I will um, say that the studio has returned Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Roger's studio is basically full of cellists and horn players and, and, just and his own acoustic guitar. Yeah, and an acoustic guitar to, to all bring it together. And Dave's studio is, you know, it's full of delay pedals and and reverberations and reverse yeah. reverbs and and all that. So Been yeah, bringing I, I, back Bob Ezrin too. Yeah, yeah I, I, I would have to- too. I yeah. would have loved to have seen like where it's just like Dave's like okay here's here's a credit card to like his assistant. I want you to buy every. Yeah, just everything that we need yeah, as far as that sound. <laughs> yeah. The te- 80s technology. Build okay, me a just... board. And meanwhile, Nick Mason's going out. Build me a bong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 we'll get yes. there. We'll get there. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes let's uh, let's get some drums here. Uh, don't know if we're not by Nick, uh, but uh, this what is learning think? to fly. <laughs> I'm just going to pick it up from there because where you stopped it is exactly where I wanted to pick up. Um, Man, you know, I talked about uh, how with, uh, was it Breathe? 
um, off Dark Side, where it just the tempo of that song and the tempo of that opener, and that's not the opener, it's the second song, but um, it just matches the 33.3 RPM of a spinning record. Mm-hmm. There's something about this tempo and this groove that is just it's just beach. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's 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 Miami or Tampa or you know Southampton or Brighton or wherever it is. Like it, it's just that it just it sits in the pocket so well. And uh, I love the return of the voices. Um, I think it was Chris that said that uh, maybe was, I don't know who it was, but um, you know that, that it, it doesn't feel as Pink Floyd as it might as it could be. And uh, the elements are still there. I mean, the the, the female chorus group is is back and and they're there um and i just love the subtle dave soloing and how it Mm -hmm. continues over the verse um maybe it's Mm -hmm. so fitting because we just went through a a you know a a, i don't know dry spell of dave solo (laughs) yeah i mean (laughs) no i thought final cut was 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 good dave uh you know he he showed up but uh he showed up up yeah Yeah, so love mixing instruments like taking yeah. a guitar and a synth and making them one yeah it's one of the oh, coolest yeah. things of the late 80s to that, me oh, yeah. like, i don't that, know what that, that sound is it's so good yeah that synth that <laughs> yeah. synth that synth part to the win i mean that's the hook of the song and that's what sucked me in when i was young when i first heard this song i always loved it but yeah, it, it's great. I wrote, I'm like, oh, man, this is that that one, Learning to Fly, where I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard this song a bunch on the radio, but I, for some reason I feel like I didn't know the name of it, or I was just thinking of the Tom Petty song with the same name, and I got it right. mixed up or whatever. <laughs> but I, I forgot about this one, and then I heard it. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's been a while since I've heard this one, but I love it, and a fantastic solo. I do like the uh, spoken word part with uh, Nick kind of reciting some of the uh, pilot code or whatever you want to call that. Uh, the jargon going on, I thought was kind of cool. And yeah, I know you said, uh, is it Nick on this one? And according to Wikipedia, he drums on it. I think what is Ezrin might have uh, dropped in a little percussion as well. So who really knows? It looks like there's <laughs> three. There's three people that would have done percussion on this. So who knows yeah, who did what? Of- but yeah, I mean, this is classic. You're right. It's a great tempo, I think. And there's a few songs on this album where. Uh, maybe, and we'll get to them. I, I don't think it's on this one, uh, but there's a few songs in this album where I feel like maybe Dave ran out of lyrics and he was just filling space and it was just kind of a vehicle for him to solo for a while. And maybe that's where Raj would have came in. Um, but this one, classic solo, I think it's great. It's a good length, uh, a single for a reason and one that you know I hadn't heard in a while, came back to it and I still love it. So It's like an old yeah. friend. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. No, it's funny. It, it's funny. Uh, you, you haven't you, changed, and that's good. Yeah. Right. You know, it's funny that you said. I mean, as far as my opinion, as far as there not being enough of the Floyd vibe on here, this was one of the two songs on here where I said it did sound like a, it, like it had the Floyd vibe to it. I mean, where it has because um, I can't recall any other electro band of it or having putting out anything like this. I mean, it's got uh, that very unique kind of intro. Uh, like that, that swelling kind of well, well. I like. I don't know. That's that seems. I don't know. That had the Pink Floyd vibe for me in this it's song. It's a little unique, yeah. 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 Uh, well, some you, of the. You, oh, go I, ahead, Mark. I feel like yeah. if this, 
if you listen to Floyd in 74 with Dark Side and then you listen to Floyd in 87 with with a momentary lapse, specifically this song, you'd feel like, yeah, that's a proper evolution. You know, wherever they went in the meantime, I know they meandered around with Roger, but uh, yeah, they ended up, you know, right where you'd expect them. Right. There was one. Yeah, there was one vocal effect on here that kind of was a little annoying at 304. Kevin, if you could play that right after that, Mm -hmm. like a little little strat part. I don't know. It just seems like they really kind of amplified that effect. Uh, yeah, it almost it's it's like too swirling for me. As much as I love his voice on this record, that was yeah one of those parts where it just felt like a. <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna counter. <laughs> I'm gonna point that by right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this album, for as much as I talk about you know Miami or the Keys or Florida or whatever uh, the beach vibes it gives off, you know it, it's not super accurate because this album has a coldness to it. Like it feels almost more like a winter beach. Yeah. Um, which might be more what he's, you know, in England, more, yeah, right. I guess. Uh, but um, I mean, like there's so many icy sounds on this record. And, you know, first of all, I love that imagery. And I think that that vocal effect, like it is most prominent, I think, in the vocal effects, more so on a later track. But uh, I'm cool with it because I think it's consistent throughout. Okay. Each you know what's interesting about yeah. this one? Um. I, I'm unsure about how I feel about it. You know what? I, I Maybe it's because of my love for this that I kind of like the more unknown songs. Sure. This one isn't bad by, by any means. It's kind of the hit from the album, and I enjoyed revisiting it. Um, but it's like I, I never used to find myself like digging right into this song. But that being said, I, I do kind of agree with everything that has been said so far. But uh, we gotta move on to the dogs of war. It's fine. Probably the one saving grace on this song for me. Yeah, that part with the drums and the yeah. Carmen yeah, like, Apathy. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. It's like the yeah the Dave part on uh, on a Dave song. That's the saving grace. Like on the Roger albums, you got the Dave part, especially in the more militant kind of Roger. You were waiting for the Dave moment where it's like yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, what the hell? Yeah, what what do I have to say about this one? Yeah, this is probably about the cheesiest political song that I've ever heard. <laughs> in a while i mean especially yeah, the, like the tempo in the beginning yeah when he when he starts singing it's like dogs of war 
and man of hate. It's got, it's almost got like a Broadway kind of weird vibe to it. That just you uh, know what vibe I get out of it. What? This might ruin the song. It already um, it's already ruined for me. <laughs> okay, well, if anybody out there uh, is enjoying this song, this strongly reminds me of the band that we shall not name. Oh boy. Oh. What and song? The bass player slash singer. Oh God. Gene. <laughs> this no, totally please. sounds like Gene singing, doesn't it? Doesn't it kind of have that bad. that it little does. low, gritty, yeah. grimy? Uh, I don't know. And the, you know, the triplet stomp does not fit Pink Floyd. Yeah, what is it with that beginning? It sounds like some weird, like, yeah, like war video game or something, or even some kind of, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's, it's the one weird track on here that just has no place. I mean, hmm. again, I know he was trying, maybe he was trying to fill Roger's shoes, but just forget it. If I want a political song from, uh, from like a big pop band, I'll go with like, uh, God, or, um, uh, Def Leppard, Gods of War. Yeah, that that, that that's mm-hmm. that's a great. But the music is very strong though on that song, and it's mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite songs by them. Yeah, I but will he, say. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Finish. Um, but other than the yeah, then yeah, the cheesy lyrics. Yeah, the tempo is just like again. I just have this, like almost watching like the like the movie Chicago or whatever. Like all of a sudden you hear that dun 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 dun, but then he just starts singing and a spotlight comes down and he's got like a hat on or something. Yeah, kind of, it it's, does. It's, it's it's too. It's, yeah, it's, it's Gene. He's on stage. <laughs> oh god, yeah. yeah talk I about see, I, I, I can see what you mean, Chris. I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I personally like it, I, but that's where it's like, all right. If you're seeing this as a Pink Floyd album, and like you're a dot, you've been with Pink Floyd this whole way, yeah. and you hear this, you're probably you know running to the toilet to uh, <laughs> to, <vomit. laughs> to, 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 to barf and flush. to lose to lose your lunch. <laughs> but I mean. I guess I, that's sort of the uh, the benefit of me, myself being born in 1993 and already being such a big 80s fan where I was able to kind of come back to this album later in 2021 and listen to it, this song for the first time ever. And it's like, all right, well, I, I get why Pink Floyd fans would hate it, but it's still kind of like a cool song. So I don't know. I, I said it takes a little bit to get there, but once it does, it pays off. I think the jamming is incredible. I'll have to say and excuse my French, but Tony fucking Levin, thank oh, God yeah. he is here. My boy Tony, yeah. God. I mean, I do hear. I, 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 I hear. I mean, there's probably going to be so many Peter Gabriel tie-ins on this album, and mm-hmm. so being an absolutely huge album for me, and it sounded like it's a big album for you other guys too. So, oh, you know, love Tony being in here. Uh, <laughs> love Tony being in here. Uh, and and I, I appreciate a lot of the personnel that's on this album. I mean, I, I kind of mentioned Car- Carmen Apice from Vanilla Fudge coming in on this one. And like he, and he's the a Vinnie Vincent band. Never was. was he in it? Was he? Oh, is that right? Yeah, he was. <laughs> anyway, I had to drop a Vinnie Vincent reference. Might be a few oh, yeah. what's to come. But yeah, I mean, he's had, just Carmine's he, had a weird career. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's just he's. And I've heard a lot of people say that you know John Bonham stole a lot of his influence from Carmine, and you could just kind of hear because he's a heavy kind of burly John Bonham esque yeah. drummer, and he just kind of sits in the pocket. And I love a lot of his uh, <laughs> his kind of tom fills there. I think it works. I, I really like the groove and the power. And then, of course, I forgot what, t- what time signature it is, but I, or uh, time stamp it is. I feel like somebody might have it, but when it kicks in, when that time signature a- change happens at the end, and the sax comes in, oh, does yeah. anybody it's have that time stamp? That. that part yeah. is so good. 
even then, over. And, and yeah, then one the thing transition. Oh, the boy. gapless, uh, the seamless uh, transitions are so good from the end yes. of this to the beginning of one slip. I love it how we can play. Con I'll just continue playing it in one slip. Let me skip ahead a bit. just locks in after that <laughs> it, despite how much yes. i hear marty what time the clocks are that. a little over the top but anyway you know. i have to say even over the skype audio hearing tony do his work at the end there is just <laughs> uh, <laughs> can, how can you not love tony he's the best it, it's great it's i, like, I even knew who to bring in the studio roger did he just kept bringing in horn players <laughs> <laughs> I know this guy Tony. He can play a mean. This, this mean if you're gonna bring in people to uh, fill spots here, uh, why not bring in Tony? Um, I, I understand totally the criticism of this song. Mm -hmm. um, the lyrics, <laughs> um, yeah, they're they're a bit tough to to, <laughs> to get past. It's very um, sing along though. I mean, you, I find myself singing, especially the. Uh, oh yes, yeah. I think the but, music is so good that it kind of, and, and maybe this is kind of putting my foot in my mouth here with the final cut, but this is one where the music is so good on it that you almost, I feel like I didn't focus on the lyrics as much, whereas the final cut, the music just really wasn't there for me, so I had to find the one strength in the album, and it was the oh, lyrics yeah. there. Alex, but don't here, get me going on that. But, we had but, a conversation know, during the week. <laughs> I know, I know we did, but here it's back to the music just being at the forefront of my mind here, and it's like, all right, it swapped back to music's number one in my mind, lyrics not so much. For And for, so. a, for another outside reference, this kind of reminds me of, and the song was earlier, but Tightrope Walk by The Damned. Uh, look that song oh. up if, if you get a chance. It, it kind of reminds Vice? me... Of it, it was yes, but um, the eighties, yeah, the late eighties, <laughs> damned. I'm I'm an early damned guy, but I appreciate you coming in with the late eighties damned reference. <laughs> I, I got to get that reference in there, but it, it does kind of give me that feeling, and I like like that song quite a bit too. That's the damned. Yes, yeah, I mean the, the damned definitely got eighties, like with strawberries <laughs> that, and life goes on later on, which is cool. But yeah, that's well. Very anyway, nice yeah, it yeah. doesn't have that triplet feel, but it just kind of that low pulsing string synth and everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. But I think it's time we need to move on. I don't know if anybody else agrees um, that oh, we should yes. get to. <laughs> Yeah, we need a, we need to get to one slip with Mark. Is, Mark already played that intro. Damn it! But. You guys are jumping ahead of me already. <laughs> I doesn't even, even does, doesn't even yet. wait for the clip. Oh man! All right, here we go. Was it love? Or was it the idea of being in love? Or was it the hand of fate that seemed to fit just like a glove? Wanted to remain alone 
had to leave that bit. Oh, oh boy. That's yes, pretty much my that's pretty much my comment for this song, which is that timestamp. <laughs> <laughs> what else is there to say? You know, I, I, I don't. Oh. I. I uh, I hear Marcus Miller from the David Sanborn band right there. Oh, yeah. Boy, is that just some 80s bass playing right there uh, that stands out. But what a song. What a song. What a moment to listen to. Uh, just you can picture. I mean, I picture uh, being at the Tinley Park Amphitheater and the sun is just starting to come down. And this yeah. is this is playing. what they're yeah. playing. Like it just is that like, boy, Pink Floyd, when you pick up the pace, you're pretty good at it. <laughs> Like it doesn't always have to sag and plod and 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 all like it, this is this is the grooviest Pink Floyd song that they've mm-hmm. done in in I don't know since what like dogs or something. Um, but uh, is this the one just thing a about song, song for speeding along on the road? Yeah, yeah like, I didn't really ever picture punching the accelerator to Pink Floyd, but uh, <laughs> one slip is a a different uh, a different animal. Um, I do have to say that when I listened to the song, I was like, there was no way, there's no way that Nick played this. There is just no way that Nick Mason. And I go and I look up the credits, and what is he credited as? Percussion. He's not credited as drums. He's credited as percussion. And you know what, Nick? Like, I've just been saving this for a while. I, I really oh have. Like, this guy is pathetic. He is absolutely <laughs> pathetic. And this might just be from our last two albums when we when we talked about Mother, like the song Mother off of, of The Wall, and then learned that he didn't even play, like, he couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. Like, he couldn't handle friggin' Mother. Like, go back and listen to Mother. You tell me what's so hard about that. I'm not a drummer. I fired up the v drums this week tried to play along the mother like i could handle it i was all right you know like how can your playing be so high school for 30 years like you've been playing for 30 years and you can't handle mother yeah and you're not drumming anywhere on this album yeah and you drop your sticks all the time yeah the like best. You, and you're paid millions of dollars. <laughs> There's yeah. no excuse anymore. People have been saying, take it easy on Nick. And it's not this song. I personally love that Jim Keltner's on this because I, I kind of fell in love with Jim Keltner on Steely Dan's Asia. So I love him being here. And uh, uh, but, we love somebody else other than but, Nick. But, Sorry, but, but there's, the there's really, cool. there's really no excuse. And I'll talk about it later on. In a song specifically uh, that he mentions, but okay, I I get that like maybe Nick can't play this stuff, but from the quotes that I've read, he's not even trying. He just says, nope. "Oh yeah, that song's in seven four. Can't do it. Get somebody else in here." Like he doesn't even try. He still gets paid. <laughs> he still did, gets paid. It's like guys- at least try. But anyway, uh, let, let me chime in here because, oh boy, goodbye, Blue Sky Part 2. Here we go. I think we might have reached my favorite Pink Floyd song. Run Like Hell is s- slowly moving down the pack here. Stocks on holy, the sink. Holy shit, this song. I can't believe it. This song is incredible. It's been on repeat all week. It's the only song from the whole Pink Floyd discography that I've shared to my Instagram story. And that is not, that wasn't on accident folks that yeah. this song is unreal and the fact that it's it just i i heard this and that chorus is absolutely incredible there is one part of the song the final note of the chorus um uh wh- what's the line about the fall i'm so bad with the lyrics Excuse me. all right keep that going 
All right, stop, stop. All right, right at that no time at all. When I first heard this, that almost sounded like a sour note to me. It almost sounded like, because it goes to the, which is, it's like a G minor there. And the way I heard it, I kind of wish that he went to more of like the major note. I don't know if it would have been the F. But then I think to myself, well, there's some kind of smarts in there because then when it comes back to the second part of the course, it works really well. And if they would have went to that like major F key, which I think it it is, that would have been the kind of typical kind of cheesy, poppy, earwormy move to go. And the fact that he didn't do it and he went to kind of a minor there, it's kind of cool. And I learned to love it. But uh, you know what's funny is that I love that chord choice right there i put it in my notes i absolutely yeah. love that yeah. chord choice it's oh, it's did. almost like it's almost like when you first hear it it's like ah, i wish they didn't go to that like that's not what i thought it was gonna go to but then it's like oh it kind of it kind of works actually and then it makes the rest of the chorus better but yeah the drum intro uh it sounds like who okay. said i would by mr philly c on uh, no jacket required and uh here's the other song that i know uh Kev is gonna know about, but my favorite movie, I've I've mentioned it before, The Secret of My Success. Uh, I'm gonna put this clip in the uh, chat here, and Mark, I think this echoes your New York City, big city skyscrapers. Just watch this clip, watch the intro of it. Anybody at home, just watch the intro of The Secret of My Success with the Night Ranger song. And does this song not like fit that kind of vibe? Just seeing the Universal logo come over this is just... <laughs> so rich. I don't know if that you could even play some of the drums in the through the Skype here, Kev. Like the, sort of the Tom kind of group. He wants to see what's there. I can tell him what's there. I don't know how. When it when it kicks in. When you've never been. Think Mark's ever ending this clip? Yeah, <laughs> that, I'm that, like, like I'm not I too hear, familiar with this movie. I hear, oh, I, I, I hear, I, I hear some of that idea in this song, and I think the thing that really just tied it together again was going back to that delicate sound of Thunder Show because, like, this is one of the last songs in the set that they play, and there's an aerial shot of them just kind of coming over the band on stage. And there's the three backup dancers and like the tight black dresses. And they're doing like this little shimmy kind of side <laughs> shimmy move before the song comes in. And it like, it just, everything just works. It's just, and then when it gets to the chorus, the auxiliary drummer, he has like these drums, these toms. He's not actually on an, a drum kit, but he's like in a ring of drums and his cymbals are like 10 feet in the air. So we has to jump up in the air to hit him and he does it on the chorus and it's just euphoric and there's probably so much coke involved in that concert and i love it <laughs> it's funny it's it's nice to see how enthusiastic you are after a couple of kind of dry uh albums that we've done so yeah it's very nice to see uh yeah this is uh, this is the song this is the warm blanket after you've been shoveling snow for 45 minutes and you come in you sit on the couch and you wrap yourself and it's like <laughs> Whether it's good, whether it's really as good as it, it, it doesn't matter because yeah, it just yeah that yeah this is. And now 
Alex's warm blanket. Oh, yeah, that's that's man. I'm in a, I'm in a freaking exactly. sauna on this one. Yeah, this is, yeah, I mean, everything from, yeah, just like that, that, yeah, the coral section is just a monster. Um, yeah, Alex, did you say something about uh, uh, a reference to No Jacket Required? I, I oh, yeah. heard you. Because uh, I know I had a Who Said I Would as far as the beginning. That, 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 that was what, what you said. That, okay, that's what I hear. said, yeah. Okay, yeah, just that little Same kinda, page. Um, yeah, that. Yeah. Kev, oh, also a side note. <laughs> <laughs> Can you the type of horn you bring in in the eighties? Not the French and, horn. Any stuff listener stuffed in the bell? No, any, you bring the you bring the trumpets. You bring the any, trombones. Any any listener any listener of the show? If you want a good like five minutes of just pure entertainment, do yourself a favor. In the dark on the big screen TV with the loud sound system going, go and watch the live version of Who Said I Would from the No Jacket Required Tour and just right. watch Phil headbutt the mic. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, and freaking Leland Sklar just grooving. Hey, Kev, there's one more. Freaking uh, Dumbledore. Thing I to, and you guys will probably appreciate this. Um, there was actually a part on here, and you got to play like the whole section, though. Um, that kind of reminded me of Domino off of uh, uh, yeah by Genesis. So if you could start at three minutes to three twenty, you got you got to play the Tony Levin bass part, and then it kind of goes into this very quiet part. I want you to, if you could, uh, cue that up. Yeah, not a problem. I actually kind of know which part you're talking about. Yeah, here. yeah, the Domino references. In- yeah. Whoa. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's so down in there. Um, I could just, yeah, I could just you, see Chester Thompson playing live. Yes. With, with that, 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 that's probably the most like invisible touch sounding moment on the record. But yeah, Kevin, on the on the Domino clip uh, or uh, uh, clip I sent you, if you could play 826. Yeah. 826. Let's yeah. Get queued up. Yeah. In silence and darkness. The audience is like, what are we, are we talking about Pink Floyd or Genesis? I, mean, I don't know. Well, yeah. yeah too uh, much Phil. No, yeah, there not is, enough yeah, Phil. There is, there is, a, and that was the one, yeah, I think where it's, but it, but I love Phil. So that's why I kind of let it pass on here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that was pretty much all I had to say. Yeah. Just even with all those, this, this, this is just a, Genesis. this is just a big bowl of greatness. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, I, I don't even have much to say anymore about this. Actually, I will bring in one lyrical point about this. Ooh. And for whatever reason, for whatever reason, this lyric has stuck with me for like years. And it would just pop into my head. And I have no idea why. But that that last verse where he says, was it love or was it the idea of being in love? Sometimes that just pops into my head. I'm like, that's what a, song is that from? And then I find a, out it's from this song. That's Thank a great pop lyric. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Kev, 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 I have to ask you owning an original first press copy of this on vinyl. How good does it sound putting this one on on the surround sound at your house? Oh, oh, it's great. It's oh, I thought so. I hope this, so. This entire, this, this entire album is. <laughs> good. <laughs> what can I say? Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, oh, sadly, we have yeah. to move on, but you know, we'd yes. love to stay. We'd love to stay yeah, in please. one slip world. I but... feel like I just ran five miles and I'm just kind of like dripping in sweat <laughs> after like yeah, it's a, a run. <laughs> it's like watching Sammy Hager play uh, uh, Dreams live where he's just doing a full out aerobics workout. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen him play that live in Toronto show where he's just, boy, is he just an 80s workout video on stage? <laughs> Oh, we're going to close out the second side on the turning away. No more turning away From the weak and the weary No more turning away from the Song. Boy, yeah. that brings back memories. Scott on our last show, uh, big fan of this album as well. I just remember, uh, you know, driving around on Long Island or Jones Beach just with this cranked. It's it's so good. And I am going to reiterate, maybe somebody will buy into it more now when everyone laughed in my face laughed last time. But the David Gilmore and Drake comparison, they just know <laughs> what sounds good. Hey, yeah. I, I understood your comparison last time. I got it. it I don't listen a- to enough Drake, but sure. <laughs> it, it, it's just the kind of thing it just it's such a simple chord progression but he can make him pull it off for six and a half minutes like the subtle use yeah. of two four meter he doesn't go crazy with the time signatures but it's just subtle enough to be interesting uh i have to wonder if nick could even handle that um i kind of had to have a little laugh too because if we consider signs of life kind of just a throwaway track um which you know in my opinion it very much is um guess what that means guys Ballad in the four spot. Yeah. Because um, uh, we're, we're there, and it's it's uh, definitely... It's uh, 87. It's yeah, acceptable. It, it, yeah. it fits. I mean, This is Love Bites. You know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, not quite Love Bites, but um, I have to say, too, that uh, I did double check and make sure that he was there, but I am so happy that we have Mr. Richard Wright back on the keys. Or Isn't the it... I 
mean, it almost brings a tear to your eye yeah. thinking of the reunion. <laughs> like just like just, That's just imagine true. being on stage as Dave and just looking over. Looking it's like he's there, and there seeing he is. him and just, just plugging <laughs> away on that Hammond. Like it just it just really just kind of just is a moment you know, that can only happen in eighty seven for some that, reason. That's interesting but, you you mentioned that, Mark, because I, I love that part and I heard it and I'm like, that's that's really cool that Richard Wright comes in there. But the fact that he used the Hammond organ in like 87 seemed a little weird to me because it seemed like such an, a 70s tool. And then you have such an eight, late 80s song and then you're kind of bringing almost like this uh, prehistoric uh, kind of keyboard sound back in. But somehow it works. Like, it I makes feel it like definitively you, Floyd. It it does it does right and I, I think it works and it gives the, under that soul so much body and oomph it's cool like typically you would probably think that he would have used some kind of synthesizer there but the fact that he like makes that sort of seventies iconic ham and organ sound work in eighty seven was cool to me yeah I love that and, and I really enjoy the way this song ends um, I mean it, it goes from that you know I mean it's got it's got you know okay acoustic guitar and we've, we've had that but the end is just a groove and i have to say i've always had a soft spot for songs that start out that way and really it goes back to one of the first records that i ever listened to really a cassette tape and this is just going to be a weird reference that might uh, be a little bit of um foreshadowing for the future uh but uh the song by a little known david samborn album uh the song jt off of slam <laughs> i mean you listen to this and you're just like okay so it's like a little wussy saxophone song like it's that just a little song. album is so funny to me it's and, so and then you get to the end here and it picks up the pace oh that keyboard slide oh. yes but I, I love songs that <laughs> do that. Shit. I love songs that just start off where, you know, you, you just kind of have that, all right, it's a ballad. I don't know if I can sit through five minutes, but at the end, they're yeah. grooving. I love it. Yeah, Nick Mason didn't fill there, but uh, yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah, a, a great again. closer. Yeah, I'll say too. Uh, it, to it is it is a great closer to the side. It's almost a bummer that it follows one slip because one slip is like that freaking high point, point. That's the dopamine rush for me, and then it ends, and then it gets kind of slow here. But this is one of the better slower songs on the album. I, I I did say the album starts to drop a little bit here, but I still think it's a fantastic side A. I like the concept of the song uh, a lot. I, I feel like it had to do kind of with presidents not really looking out or people in power and in politics not so much looking out for the betterment of the people, but more advancing themselves. So I feel that was sort of relatable till today. And, and you know I, what? That's a great concept that you don't timeless. have to hit somebody over the head with and it's timeless. Yeah, it's timeless. Yeah. And I also said, too, uh, the verses, some of the melodies sounded a little Peter Gabriel to me. And I said that solo at the end was probably the most 80s sounding solo Dave has done Ever did. so far. Ever did, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Yeah, get yeah. in here, Chris. Oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry. I got my, 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 two, my, my two enthusiastic co-hosts over there. Um, yeah. yeah this and is they're for- not even the ones who gave it a 9.5. That's me. Yeah, yeah, right. They give it a two and hog the mic. 
<laughs> no, it's all good. I think this show, I think, will be a hit, hopefully. Um, but yeah, this is probably the other, as far as Pink Floyd sounding song on the record, where you could say there's a lot of Pink Floyd DNA in here, whether it's the acoustic guitar or the way that Dave sings. It was funny, I came across somebody talking about that this almost has like a weird, like, a tr- English, tr- like a traditional song, like a limerick or whatever, especially in the beginning when he's, I hear uh, that. when he starts, yeah. uh, which is very unique, especially with all like the heavy kind of guitar that comes up later. And I love the guitar in here. It sounds like a live stretch. You know, when you hear like a live guitar, you know, it's got that real mm-hmm. b- a little muddy, but a lot of body to it where it really reverberates. I love how they do that here. And I, and yeah. I it's usually sometimes a quip for me in the live setting, but I don't know, just the way it sounds here. It sounds like an unintentional live track when he's doing that, Yeah, you know, where he's like in a big arena or something and he's just hitting those chords. Uh, and with sure. uh, with uh, uh, Rick's uh, keyboard on right under that, it's just, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, really. Yeah, what can you say? Yeah, I, I I will say too. My favorite Tony Levin fill of all time. That quiet part yeah. where he just does that fretless slide right you into the gotta, that that ending glorious chorus. Sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see where is this is kind of yeah. This song is kind of the wish you were here of the record, in my opinion. But with like yeah, but with that eighties. Uh, I, I think that. a lot. I think there were some other people who said that too. Yeah. Well, that was I really kinda, like how. Uh, uh, you know how Alex put it with one slip being the you know the hype and the dopamine, and this starts out slow and it just ends at a mi- it's a very balanced yeah. set of two yeah. songs. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then. No more turning away. <laughs> so, Tony does his bit, the clouds open, yeah, the, the sky's shining open up and through. Yeah, light shining through. Just, yeah. Sun, sun uh, is beaming uh, off that bald head. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that cloudy oh. beach, and the sun is finally broken through. Yes. All right. It's time to open up side two. Will this be stronger than side one? Will this be weaker? Who knows? This is yet another movie, and we are combining it with round and around uh, like the original list. All right, 
It's my time for the mic, and let me introduce you, everyone, to my favorite Pink Floyd song of all time. Whoa! This is it. We have arrived here, Just and I will, I will make my case for this. First of all, the intro. I know we got a little comment on the intro before this show, but I love the intro, and the thing that sold me on the intro was the delicate sound of thunder live when he's hitting it with the the light up sticks and doing the stick twirls and it just sounds huge and i just picture being in the crowd and having these drums these electronic drums just thumping in my chest and i know it's good like i it took me a little bit to buy into that but i totally bought into that then you get into the meat of the song and there's everything going on. You get the piano in the middle, bouncing from side to side. You got guitar fills that are just panning from side to side going on here. Huge drums. Yeah, just huge ridiculous drums. Ridiculous fills, ridiculous <laughs> snare sound. Just the atmosphere is absolutely insane in this song. I, I You get a little subtle sax going on with the soprano sax. It's just like, oh man, I could listen to that sound over and over and over again, just just thumping through the body, just just going through this. I love the way, again, this is another song that picks up for a solo section. It brings it back down. It ends with a nice guitar slide, guitar solo at the end there. And not only that, but I'm going to bring the concept in here we here go. a little bit. Here too. it comes. I'm I knew bringing this was coming. In the concept in here a little bit because I know this is a little bit more of the esoteric side and and i think even dave i read something where he doesn't know what it's about as much you know as some of the others but i'm bringing it in here and this this is where i'm going to connect with it is that you know roger was roger and and he's kind of speaking from roger a lot you know he he, you know his experiences it's all his kind of thing and you got to buy into that but this song for whatever reason is just the first uh, on where it's kind of speaks to the ordinary kind of person and and the struggles that the ordinary person goes through. You know, he's just the same as all the rest. He's not the worst and he's not the best. It's just Complete like opposite of it, Roger. It's just this dude who's somehow struggling through life, but he's a nobody and he's going to die and nobody's going to know who he is, but he's got his own struggles and he's going through everything. Like the the whole a pointless life has run its course and he fades into the setting sun. Cue guitar solo. Cue sounds from Casablanca. I was gonna, I was, about, gonna I was gonna mention the Casablanca. Yeah, what yeah. about us? Just come on. I, I can, the song just it's on another yeah. level for me. Just both <laughs> lyrically, sonically. I I just love that, and it just makes me think. It just makes me think of this guy that's going through life, but it's this epic song that's going on, and it. I, I just can't say enough about it. I'm sorry. That's no, it. No, no, that's great. You're, you're, se- you're, se- yep. you're selling me on this song, Kev. I mean, I was going to say originally, I, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I, I liked it a lot originally. And you playing that last clip, it's just so, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie, maybe Mark or Chris, but there's a movie called Less Than Zero. You guys familiar with that movie Yeah, Robert, at all? Robert Downey Jr., yeah. It's very kind of dark and it's dark, about these, yeah. it's about, it's, you know, a lot about drug abuse and overdosing and things like that. And it's very dark, uh, late eighties, um, kind of, <clears throat> I don't know, people can go and find out what the movie is, but I, I just, I picture a lot of that movie when I hear this song and it's just, it's such soundtrack music to me. And I originally said, well, it, it's kind of gives me the same vibes as on the turning away where it's, it's slowly 
dipping a little bit here, but a great solo. And I said right around one minute and 30 seconds where the uh, synth sax comes in. It was so 80s, and I love that so much. I don't know if you want to play that, but... Yeah. If you're done, I'll pick that up because that's where I was going to start, to be honest. Uh, well, all I was going to do was um, Kevin mentioned that we got a comment on this song, and I can read it if we want. Yeah, go ahead. Um, the comment was, uh, somebody said, uh, revisiting your episodes uh, since a momentary lap, uh, lapse of reason is coming up soon. Uh, he said, writing as someone who hated on your buy flush blow up uh uh, fuck Mary Kill segment. Sorry about the language. Even having said that, the first sixty seconds of yet another movie deser- deserves to be blown up. That groan at forty-two seconds is the sound of indigestion that this opener gives me. <laughs> he said, "Even the." He said, "Even the." He said, "Even the Umagama Studio stuff was better." Oh come on. Yeah, I no. don't know. I don't know if I would go. <laughs> I love Fish, and uh, you know, you know that that'll be my opinion. Um, it's a show of pain, and everyone can have their own thunder. Delicate sound of thunder, Tur- twirling the sticks, smashing the drums, and just bam! Oh yeah. man. Okay. It, it, it's not a perfect song to me. I can see where Kevin's coming from. Um, I just you know, I I don't pick up on the entire song as a concept, but I so strongly hear, and maybe it's just the way because it is what I've done and what I do is just connect it to musical visuals. Um, I mean, this right here where Alex is going to pick up at about uh, 1.30 is such a moment. I mean, to me, I, it's so yearning in a way that only the late 80s could be. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. something like Michael Douglas on the beach yes. with his brick phone <laughs> yes. in Wall Street. <laughs> and this is like after he hangs it, yes. get to work. Yeah. Incredible you know, reference. It, it, yes. It, it, it yeah. just like, that's what it, like, this is what plays after he hangs up the phone. You know, we don't see that in the movie. But, you know, it, God, it's just, so it is as, and then this part, because we're going to include round and round uh, as a part of this discussion, uh, we just have, I mean, it's it's throwaway, like from yeah. a, you know, do I want to listen to this standpoint? Like if I I'm going to ever go back and listen to this, <laughs> yeah, you know, but like if you listen to it, sorry, Chris, let me I mean, it's just the kind of thing that I would expect to hear in late, late, you know, season seven, season eight of Magnum P.I. You know, it is totally the, you know, the hero investigating the back office dealings and unraveling (laughs) the mystery of the corrupt stockbroker, insider, trader, whatever. Like he's sneaking around in the office after dark. It is totally 100 percent. You know, I, I don't know that you... You know, you, 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 how you evaluate that because I'm bringing in my own visuals to something that doesn't really exist. Um, but, uh, you know, I connect with it, so I like it. But yeah. it is a bit of a throwaway, at least on its own, as a yeah. track. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I had Miami Vice instead of Magnum PI, but yeah, you just got same, that kind of late Magnum PI. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it, I, this was a, uh, or just a little segment when I was driving home uh, on the late days that I work, yeah, where I just, yeah, that queuing up, it just like it brings your blood pressure down. If you had a hard day, that comes on and it's just like, all right, yeah, it's it's all good. Okay, it's, everything's gonna be okay. Which Pink Floyd <laughs> generally does or is supposed to do, <laughs> right? Uh, but yeah, with Dyer's the, uh, Eve or anything like that, right? 
but yeah, with the uh, yeah with the main yeah uh, yet another movie. Uh, yeah, Kev, can you uh, yeah the part after like the weird kind of like uh, the stomach turning part in the beginning? Uh, if you could play the very beginning of the uh, of like the main part of the song. Sure. Uh, and then I'll and then I'll go into the clip that kind of remind or of another song that reminded me of it. Yeah, Kev, okay, so now if you could play uh, the uh, the next clip I had. Sure, no problem. on who that is that's mr mister yeah uh, broken god wings. that song is so good oh it is good but yeah that was i mean i uh, i totally it, hear I mean, that, though. It, it's it's not as muscular as this one but i mean that it just reminded me of that just that kind of very kind of very subtle kind of build up and then you've got that slide guitar and it's just uh i think i do kind of like it more here i don't know because there's just more production muscle i guess i don't know um yeah it's funny i know i criticized uh yeah which uh yeah, what song was that as far as the over uh uh uh, like the, if the effect on Dave's vocal, I like it here for whatever reason, and I know it's thicker here, but it just works in those verses. Yeah, I think when, it's when he, because he's doubling up the octave too. Okay, he's doing a low it, it, and it he's just, doing a high too. Yeah, it it just really yeah. I I just love how he. That's like why it. I love at the ending no, the very last group of lines. He cuts the low octave. It's just the high octave. Just yeah. sets it up. Just oh man. Yeah, if if, if 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 one yeah, this is probably well. I guess I should wait until the little bit of flesh it. I'll yeah, never mind. Yeah, this this this, this one this one it, it ranks high though. But you know, I'll just say that. Yeah, <laughs> just to uh, reassure Kevin that his uh, his favorite Pink Floyd is not is not going to be summarily terminated by the rest of the yeah. Group. Alex, right. I don't want to see a T anywhere near this song. Okay, <laughs> no, he no, 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 I can't, I can't. Uh, okay. All right, it's enough time for gushing on yet another movie and round and around. We're going to move to A New Machine, part one. Could it ever have been different? No, you are going to tired of waiting. Get the right, vocoder away from Dave. 
<laughs> I, I gotta say it. I love this song too. Yeah, I love this song wow. too. It's so I like it. It's I so like the atmosphere. Is, again, another atmosphere. Incredible. I love what? how they didn't do anything else with it except for you know you have that super high synth that leads right into Terminal Frost. I love the, the imagery of this song. I want to. I'm going to go into the concept again. Thank you. What concept? The imagery is there? of concept? <laughs> yes. no, Welcome no, to the machine. Concept is yeah. great here. Yeah, yeah I, I love it. It just reminds me of somebody trapped in a computer or something, right. just hoping like that they would die, mm-hmm. and, and just like oh, I can't live forever. You know, you want to die. It, <laughs> it reminds me of the, the Guardian of Forever for all you Star Trek people out there. Just talking, something like that, where there's yeah. somebody in some kind of inanimate object that's just just talking mm-hmm. and kind of wishing, and that time would pass. Oh, sure. That that's it. Take it away. Yeah, no, uh, I, I I like that too, and I know Dave said, uh, you know, him doing that vocal effect. He thought, and I don't know how true this is because you'd have to, you know, really go back and do your homework to hear if that's been done before. But he thought that he was doing something pretty influential and innovative with that vocal effect. I think he said he, he didn't really hear much of anybody do anything like that before, but yeah, I said, cause and kind of, I think maybe Mark mentioned this maybe pre-show or at the start of the show. I don't remember, but I really view track seven, eight, and nine as kind of one song, uh, just because it, it all really kind of goes together. I, I like the Cool vocal effects. Uh, I like the lyrics, and yeah, I like the song concept a lot. I mean, not to get like depressing or anything. I'm sure everybody has those thoughts, but it's just a, it's almost kind of like a tired, <laughs> tired of being alive thing. And it's like you've been living for so long and watching yourself, and then eventually it's like, well, maybe I don't want to live forever. At least that's kind of the idea that I got from it. And I'm sure everybody has those thoughts every now and then. And not to say I totally feel that way or support it, but it's relatable and it, it's a it's a timeless topic. I think it kind of connects, so I, I, yeah, I dig I, it. I, I kind of like the uh, Guardian of Forever uh, reference, and it, it almost like um, you know the uh, the last shred of humanity in a Borg. If we're going to continue with Star Trek references, it kind of oh, feels sure. like that. You know that that <laughs> that whatever human is left in the machine, uh, it, it kind of has that feeling to me. So. Uh, yeah, I mean it's so icy and and frozen. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is the one. Chris, that I... I'm feeling you. You don't feel the same way. No, I. I feel <laughs> as evidenced by the two thumbs I... down on the video chat. Yeah, I guess. I guess I didn't. Uh... I love. I love that concept. I just hated how it was. Uh, maybe this. Maybe it was the only way you could do it. But it just. It. It's. Yeah. It just doesn't sit well on the ears. It's almost like it just comes kind of like like a razor blade, and I. I don't know, after just all these monstrous kind of hooky parts, and then you come here, it's like, okay, well, was he trying to do like a like a wall era kind of like little like ditty? And it, I don't know. I think I liked it better on the on the wall than I did here, where it just, I don't know, maybe just if they would have worked a little bit more on it, I think I could have appreciated it. Yeah. Uh, well, it's short. Yeah. 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 That's a saving grace. Who knows? Maybe, I mean, maybe like if they could have, would have, um, and that actually comes to my next point, but uh, yeah, how are we treating these three? Are we are we we're, we're breaking each 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 of the parts down, right? Is, is that mm-hmm. essentially what we're doing? Okay. I'd say so. Um, yeah. Then I'll wait for my next. Uh, uh, but I guess I can say I wish they would have just combined this into one, just like epic. I think that would have been cool instead yeah. of just splitting it into these weird. It's not very eighties though. Yeah. You had no. to split it up a little yeah, bit. Not at all. All right, well, that being said, it kind of leads us right into Terminal Frost, which I can't even press play, and Mark already wants yeah, to talk about that. So, damn it. <laughs> oh, okay, I was going to jump in there, too. I guess that's not <laughs> yeah, well, an option I, I anymore. Feel, I feel like Mark and, I, Mark and I are so, 
like lined up on Pink Floyd. I don't know what he's okay, going to say, well, but I got an idea. I got a bit to say in about this one too, but we'll we'll get there. the wall and remember those three songs was it might have been even four it was uh going back on it it was bring the boys back home and vera and nobody home and anybody out there and that's where i pioneered the term bbw for beer bathroom and weed basically (laughs) referring to uh the album tremendously sagging in a live context where you would be watching this live and up it's time to either take a stop at the bathroom go pick up some beer or take a hit off the old j because this is not the part (laughs) of the show that i'm interested and boy this right here terminal frost is the 100 percent polar opposite of that that is a moment to die for at let me just play it again those backing vocals it is the bass just fills. it's on the, the the double snare that it, it's so it Mark, is, chris chris I, seems I, I, rather loose in the bottom right alchemy no, I, no, I, it is I, I turning I, I, sound waves into gold it gets you out of your chair it is worth waiting for it is buried but it is just so worth it it is the opposite of a BBW, and how I will describe this, this is the part of the show. We are the Light the Sky podcast to describe all of the bands that lit the sky. This is really music. It's to be played live and to be experienced in 1987 at the, you know, whatever the first Midwest Tinley Park Amphitheater equivalent was at that time, Alpine Valley, I don't know. Um, but this is the part of the show where you first notice that the sun has already gone down and it's mm-hmm. night. Yeah, I, I don't know how to describe. It. Like I've been to shows where it's like you, yeah. you you fill in and all right, you're listening, you watch the opener, and it's okay. But and then and then you're so locked into the performance that you like you look up and like wow, I, I didn't realize it. it was totally this like that summer air, just that oh, yeah, that slightly cool, slightly yeah, cool it's a little air. chilly. It's late, you know, it's oh, it's getting a little man. chilly, and you just like and you're just one hundred percent locked into that band. This is right making here. me it's sad. Now. 
Hawaii, you talk about the ethos of the show and, and you talk about lighting the sky. And, you know, I hate to be all, you know, born in the wrong generation or whatever, because I was born after this album came out. But just to be there in that moment to hear this live is just, you know, just to, to me, just is almost a perfect memory. Yeah, I can experience it myself. I can, you know, get in my convertible and crank this up. But I just think there's something that being in 87 yeah. and experiencing mm-hmm. this that is irreplicable. Amen to that. Yeah. And and I guess I, I can, I don't know what Chris is going to say, but his comment saying that it kind of sounds like they were stealing from other 80s bands at the time and anybody can do this. I, I feel like I can agree with that. It does, it, it, it that, that part that you play, it's so freaking good, but it is a little cheesy and it is a little stock but I almost don't care. Yeah, I no, love I, it I, so much. I, I love it so much. And I, I put a little something in. This is my one comment that I think uh, Kev will like. I've been waiting for this comment here. Uh, I just think of this. And I'm just waiting until freaking big hair Steve Stevens comes in with the hammer. Because this <laughs> is just what I hear. So please play this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Taco yeah, anthem. That's so good. And, and I said, uh, I guess kind of touching into the concept of this album, and I don't know if this was sort of the uh, idea, but primarily this song is more of an instrumental piece. Are there, were there, are there, were there any lyrics in this one? I, I might even, I'm like drawing a blank no, at this just point. Like, just no, it is. Snacks, yeah. Yeah. It is an instrumental. Right. And the way I see this, because it's kind of sandwiched in between a new machine part one and part two. And that concept, like I said, that I read, it's sort of somebody like looking through their eyes at, at life and almost kind of being tired of it and waiting, almost tired of being alive and waiting to die. And it's kind of introduced there at the beginning of a new machine. And I feel like Terminal Frost is that part of that concept where this is like montage music where you're, it's kind of playing over the person's entire life. And you see like old memories, ups and downs. And he's, he, he kind of is, you know, you're kind of like viewing your life right before you die kind of a thing. And you're looking at all the highlights, good and bad. Yeah, and I think and that, that kind of right works there. there. Like, it's like rediscovering the first love of your life. Sure. And, and then it kind of just like, you know, when the soprano sax kicks in, it's just, you know, just revisiting the darker parts of that relationship. Exactly. Um, or what might have unwoven or might not have worked out. But, uh, you know, it's still exactly. a part of the life that flashes before your eyes. Yeah, and okay, I'll say so, I, I'll say too. I just got two more quick notes. I just said I thought it was kind of funny that again, drum machine is on this because I mean, really, Nick, you couldn't do it. But <laughs> I, I, I guess I guess to back that up a little bit, I think the reason why Nick didn't play on it and it's it's cheap, but they I think they were under tr- tremendous pressure to get it right after Roger leaving. I mean, this is like the first album where Roger's not there and it's coming out under the Pink Floyd name and they don't want to screw it up and they want to get it right. And if Nick feels that they can't do it, then you know. Props to him for, you know, not throwing his ego out there and, and doing the, for the betterment of the band. So I, I guess I get it. But, I mean, he couldn't have slotted in there somewhere. But, yeah, the transition right before 2.30, come on. And then I asked you earlier in the week, Kevin, is that a rock man uh, tone that's on that guitar? I don't I don't remember what you said, but so 80s and so Either good. Either that or the, the GK. The GK, two, yeah. 250 ML, yeah. Yeah, like that's that. that's all I have, though. Great song. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, just a comment about uh, Nick. I don't think there's been a guy who's 
made more money not throwing his ego around like Nick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's here's what I'll say too. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, like the, this the lack of effort, effort. I mean, you can, you can, you can, you know, throw all kinds of crap you want at, you know, boy bands or, you know, guys who are just performers or, you know, One Direction or Justin Timberlake or whatever. Like they don't write their own songs, but you know what? I bet JT works real hard on his dance moves. Yeah, like he still yeah. puts effort into it, even if the songs are written for. Like, what does Nick do at this point? Like, was he just brought <laughs> yeah. in so they could have three fourths of Pink Floyd and take the name? You know, yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, I, what the, you know what that reminds me of uh, in Office Space with uh, who's who's the older guy who gets fired? Like, what would you say you do here? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm a people person. <laughs> I love that guy so much. I know. Uh, oh, you know, I don't like God. the '90s music, but I love '90s movies. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, yeah, yeah. This uh, again, this again, like with what Alex said. I mean, there's a lot, not a lot of originality here, but a lot of just great. Just, I uh, just want to want to take it all in for as long Bask as in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, Kevin. Yeah, just breaking down my notes. Um, if you could, um, if you could just start the beginning of this song, and then I want to reference uh, another song that I. Can't... Okay, now play my <laughs> those, next. Those, uh, those keys, I'm great. <laughs> great. All right, I come and play the next. Seems like clip uh, Love Walks In or something like that. Yes. That's Human by the Human League. That was late oh, era. Oh, come on. Human I know the Human League. Yeah, well, God, yeah, was, dare, uh, dare. I love the Dare but, but I, I heard that. I'm like, where have I heard that before? Uh, it was like the third record. Um, I know there was the Dare record, which was the big one, and then there was like the oh, yeah. one after that, yeah. Um, uh, I think this was a song that, uh, that they didn't write, though. I think that was a... Uh, Brought to them by the uh, label. Sorry, I gotta take a break. I love the '80s so much. I just can't. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta take a break. <laughs> oh god. Um, but uh, you know, it's weird with this song. There is. It feels like this should have been a regular, like with vocals. I mean, there are moments in there where you feel like, man, it would be great if they would have just written like some lyrics for this. I think it really would have propped it up. May, might have, would have, maybe would have helped the concept too. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Uh, I don't know, but. Uh, uh, it's funny. Yeah, that saxophone. That was probably my one quip with this song. Yeah, it's like okay, that's just too. You're like I love the '80s, like you guys do, but there are some moments where it just like it almost like it's like that Saturday Night Live kind of saxophone where it just kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and Kevin, yeah, there was one more uh, um, part I wanted you uh, that kind of reminded me of uh, if you could play at three thirty-five. Yeah. I know we're drinking this off here. Okay, um, and if you could uh, play the next clip uh, at around 4.32. I know this song came out a few years later, but I just, I don't know, maybe maybe he stole it from Pink Floyd. 
and use kind of use that vibe himself. some of those effects yeah and kind of core choices there that really reminded me of Don Henley uh end of the innocence but uh uh yeah um oh yeah one more point and then we can move on um as far as wishing that there were lyrics on here at 225 I felt like that was just screaming for a chorus yeah just like somebody just yeah just Dave Belton out and there just wasn't anything there Yeah, well, that's what I was kind of talking about earlier is there's definitely some songs on the latter half of this album where it almost feels like Dave ran out of vocals and he just needed to fill space. So he's like, well, <laughs> I, I got a good chord progression. I don't know really what to say. And I can play guitar up there with the best of them. So maybe I just shred for the rest of the album. <laughs> yeah, it was just weird because they had too much of a normal song structure versus like a uh, like a normal instrument, like a YYZ or something like that. Where you right. Do. Yeah. But, right, but uh, I, I mean, wouldn't have uh, asked for that at this point in their career. You know, no, these, know, these guys yeah. are, I mean, yeah. they don't need to put out this album. They're, this is album 13. They, they could have hung it up after Final Cut and really called it a day, but they put out two or, I don't know, you know, consider Endless River. But, you know, they gave us two albums of material that really is worth dissecting and listening to. So yeah. they didn't need to do any of that. I mean, they had already been through two iterations, two uh, phases as a band, at least two, three, really, so... Yeah, I hate to spend 15 minutes on Terminal Frost, um, but <laughs> okay. So I got nothing to say about a new machine part two. So okay, no, 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 no. I just wanted, I just wanted to get in here real quick that that kind of regular repeating line, you know, for whatever reason, the image that pops into my head is just like stepping out of a train station at night and it's been raining and like New York. And the mm-hmm. taxi cabs are going by. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of like almost parts of the Fugitive soundtrack by oh, James Newton Howard. Oh man, you know, and it, you switch it also the samples. Can... <laughs> you know what I kind of have to say too? It's not like the music there, but uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. Oh yeah, oh, mm-hmm. the the very end when they pull, it's not as happy when they pull up to his home. <laughs> I haven't been home in years. The suitcase, yeah. Well, oh. Why is that, Dell? Yeah, boy, the music also, that synth that's going on in the background there, man. This, all this stuff all, makes me want to go buy a DeLorean or something. Yeah, <laughs> go, go buy yeah. a Ferrari three hundred eight and just cruise it'll, around yeah. uh, to this music. Put a little it'll powder under the lip. <laughs> it makes me think of uh, what, like, this is kind of an outside reference that's not been heard on the show yet. But what above and beyond might have sounded like in the eighties kind of reminds me of what this song we're doing. I don't know, but just something about the repeated motif. No, or, Terminal Frost. Yeah, Bits I guess, I mean, I guess if it has a, a, a trance structure. Sure. And, where they just break out into the big instrumental chorus and just go back to the repeating groove. Right. And then they, they just they're kind of tend, they're, their way of, of building up one of those motifs throughout an entire song. Just something mm-hmm. that occurred to me. You know, I could be totally off base on that one. But uh, we're going to play New Machine Part 2. Uh, not much difference here, obviously. It's only a lifetime. It's only a lifetime. It's only a lifetime. 
36. You know, it's so. funny. I was yeah. Let me cut in. It was funny. Was that you, Mark, that had said that, or was that you, Alex, who said that? Yeah, Dave looked at this as like as a an approach with vocals that had never been done before. Was that what you? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let me let me see if I can pull up exactly. I was, what I was thinking. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's true because I just remembered uh, Neil Young in the early '80s did an album called Trans that was very maligned critically, mm. and it, the whole record urges vocals like that through a vocoder. And the, yeah, the, I mean, it's, the quote is a new machine has a sound I've never heard anyone do. The noise gates, the vocoders opened up something new, which to me seemed like a wonderful sound effect that no one had done before. It's innovation of a sort. David right. Gilmore. I, I don't think that's true. I think, yeah, again, that Neil Young record, which I know not a lot of people remember because again, it was a yeah, critically not, uh, not well received, but yeah, the whole record is just that like all the vocals are just massively just ran through one of those machines and you can barely, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just a vocoder. Like, sorry, yeah. Dave, you didn't invent it. It's yeah, not like but, he, he's talking like he's EVH inventing the Floyd or something, right? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> yeah. a little overstating your. Uh, uh, that's all I have to say about that. You guys can chime in if you want. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's much. like a kind of a nice bookend to yeah the, the sequence and. Um, it's thirty seconds. Like, how offensive can you get with the song? It's I not like offended. it doesn't push you through another. I know, but it's not like it puts you through another four minutes. It's not like we got five minutes of bird sounds here or something like that. You know, if you if you're gonna do a part two, 30, 30 you know, thirty nine seconds. Okay, that's it. You know, it's kind of over with. I'll save my uh, my decision for for later and whether it stays or not, but. I do like how they, I mean, they're just addicted to bookending things, but at least they didn't bookend the album again. And with that, <laughs> I know that right. they, yeah. they bookended the, the concept. If you, if you want to think about it, bookending ending an instrumental track is, you know, kind of an interesting way of yeah, going about Yeah, I mean, I guess it's something. just a lazy way of, or not a lazy way of just like, maybe cut Terminal Frost a little bit if you are afraid of having a nine minute track. Sure. But yeah, but this is also the not, not the time, kind of time to do one of those things. Especially when but, you have a um, nine-minute track ending the album here. Right. So, I, is it time to close this thing out? Uh, I feel like so. it yeah. is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. This is sorrow. funny i don't hate this song but i feel at this point it's you could kind of sound it kind of sounds like that they're running out of gas at this point yeah, yeah especially for such a long song 
And is it just me or do the verse, uh, like the chord choices, don't they kind of sound like uh, yet another movie a little bit, but without the muscle? Yeah, Chris, I was going to say the same thing. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It it just, this this literally sounds like yet another movie and what, was it Terminal Frost as well? It's just like, it kind of sounds like the same song. But another, but another three minutes longer. Um, Yeah. And I know I had you, I mean, you I probably don't have to play, but the beginning where you just got that extended synth, uh, like bass synth, it, it sounds like... That's a uh, guitar. Is it? Well, anyway... It's a guitar it, look, recorded in L.A. Coliseum or something like that. No, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. That part right before it, though, where you just have that extended, before it gets into the... Uh, uh, into that guitar part where it sounds like it's about to go into Sirius by Alan Parsons. That's it's almost the <laughs> it's almost the exact like identical like synth choice. Yeah, yeah Kevin, if you could start. Oh, yeah, you're play. talking about just the synth sound. Yeah, yeah, play, yeah, play the beginning. I mean, it's almost uncanny. That. Yeah, where I'm waiting for all of a sudden where that. Do 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 do. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, I thought you were talking about like the Tony no, Kukoc no, no. comes guitar, flying but, yeah. out, right? But uh, that's funny. Yeah, that was actually one of the questions. I guess I'll have to remove that. Yeah, it's oh, all right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. No, it's okay. No, that's, that's I right. forgot about that. Soon. Yeah, that's why I choose a lot of questions just in case. Yeah, I have to yeah, no, eliminate a couple. I'll, but, ba- uh, I'll, I'll back you up there, Chris. On this, uh, I just I found this one interesting because just I don't know if this is more of a fan favorite on the album. It seems like one that dates. Yeah, Dave still plays it live. It ended up on the Echo's uh, greatest hits. And kind of like uh, Interstellar Overdrive, I was kind of like, why? I, I, yeah. I, I will say amazing guitar solo, oh, but yeah, the no, rest see. of it, it just kind of sounded like Terminal Frost and yet another movie. And then when that chorus came in, it just seemed like it didn't fit. Like the rest right. of the thing, it's just like they had like this chorus idea and they didn't know what to yeah. do with it. And then they just kind of threw it in there. And I yeah. said again, and this is where I'm going to start lashing out on Nick. All right. Because I said, <laughs> I said more drum machine. I said, and the best part about it is Nick didn't even program the drums. It was Dave. So like he can't even freaking work a computer. I said, does Nick? So I said, I, I said, said everything. I said, I, I, I asked, does Nick do anything anymore? Why is he still getting the glory, the checks? And his, and the quote from the Wikipedia was Mason was concerned that he was too out of practice to perform on the album and instead busied himself with its sound effect. All right, Nick, what have you been doing for the last four years since the last album? All right, it's not like we're playing freaking La Via Strangiato here. It's simple beats. How are you out of practice for this kind (laughs) of a song? But I will say uh, I love the story of the intro being recorded in an arena on 10. I love that they just had access to that for that intro. Yeah, did you guys watch that? Uh, I think I mentioned earlier that uh, podcast uh, that I sent you earlier uh, about the interview with Dave and the and the engineers on the making of this record. Uh, no, did you I guys didn't. watch? Uh, yeah, when you it was, yeah when you have you have a chance to listen to it, it was kind of interesting when they were when the interviewer asked Dave about as far as Nick and Rick's contributions. You could see it was a very awkward moment for Dave. He's like you could see almost like kind of like yeah, it was not a good. Uh, uh, yeah, but he was I mean, he, but he's, he's he's a classy guy though, so he didn't uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean Richard Wright when he comes in, the moment yeah. that he comes in and and uh, um, is great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, what was it? I'm on the turning away. I mean, it just. Yeah. I mean, I, I Rick, Richard Wright does not have that reputation that Nick does. So the guy can right. play. The guy can Right, I was being a little bit harder maybe on Nick than Rick, but yeah, there was you could tell there was a little bit of kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Oh, yeah, uh, Kevin, yeah, one more thing, um, and then anybody else wants to chime in. Uh, there is an effect part that I really love here at 438. I don't know what that is, but it's just really neat. My favorite part of the song. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I want one for my pedal chain. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, this song, I, I get the arguments against it. I do not know why it seems to be the song that people reference uh, when they say that they do like this song, Check Out Sorrow. I mean, I guess maybe because it, it isn't as, well, I mean, it is totally 80s. Um, I guess if you don't want to get into a new move, sh- the, the, the new, the terminal frost trilogy, I, I could see why you would go to this one instead. Um, you know, and, and maybe it's my own biases, uh, but I mean, this part here, any of these parts. I mean, it, it is 80s TV mu- movie or TV. It's 80s TV music. And mm-hmm. I love that stuff. And so yeah, it's probably right. my bias, but um, I mean, if, if anybody out there is looking for something really 80s to watch, um, my it's probably my second or third favorite Magnum P.I. episode, Death <laughs> and Taxes. It's at the oh, end of Magnum P.I. Episode. Yeah, when, he, when the show started getting darker, it started adapting some of the Miami Vice stuff that was so popular. <laughs> and I just hear, I just see Tom Selleck walking around the seedy districts of Hawaii. And I know they used Mama in over there. I think this almost fits better. I just see like the neon red light district of Honolulu just walking around. And even the stuff before. I mean, that part is good. I see where Alex thought that they had this good 80s groove. And, you know, maybe it's for some people, it's like, ah, it sounds like an 80s TV show. It's garbage. But uh, to me, it sounds good. I don't know if it's good enough for a kind of a, a weak idealist chorus in eight minutes and 45 seconds, especially being in the closing spot. You know what I'm going to do here? I'm going to bring in the concept again. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I, I really want after after eight, almost nine minutes. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. This, it's revenge this, for us hitting him over the head with the Roger Waters y- concept. Yes, right, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. I had to snooze through the final cut, so I'm going to bring it up again here. This reminds me of um, kind of the second part of yet another movie. I mean... Okay, maybe it is similar, but it it reminds me of that same kind of, you know, every man that had something great in life. You know, he's haunted by the memory of a lost paradise in his youth or a dream. It can't, he can't be precise that it it's it's gone. It's gone forever, and it's actually gone so far that he's not even sure if it was real or not. And, and what this person is is dealing with as you know the the song progresses and right. and his life progresses and. You know, that that's it. It's never coming back. That was the peak golden moment in life. And yeah, you know, again, cue guitar solo right out. So that that's I think it fits the title quite nicely. Yeah. I, and this I, has actually always been one of my favorites I, on the album. I think Dave wrote of all the lyrics, right? These are all his, aren't they? Yeah, this is I think Yeah, I think this actually this entire song is all Dave. Uh um, songwriters Dave Gilmore. But uh, yeah, I can I can give. I know he put a lot of his. I just felt bad because uh, I think again I think that like you said the concept is very interesting. But I felt 
and for Dave, I was kind of surprised. Where like at this point, it just feels like they just don't have any. They're just running on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So interesting. Well, here's the thing: is that yeah, the gaslight is on. (laughs) It needs. We need more fuel. I mean, they (laughs) had to do that, right? Because I mean, Nick sure wasn't going to bring anything to the table. (laughs) And you know, as much as I like Richard Wright, I mean, he is kind of going through a lot of personal stuff at this time. So I can I can see why. I mean, like, how else would they have made this better with what they had internally? Like it was Dave or nothing. It was that was it. So they had to bring in Bob Ezrin and, and whoever else. It's so interesting to me because, like, pretty much the entire time I've ever listened to this album, I've always looked forward to getting to this song. And now hearing, like, oh, yeah, and it's starting to sag here is, is very interesting to me. I, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't hate that opinion. Yep. I understand yeah, it. But it's so interesting how I was like, I've always been pumped to get to this song and hear that guitar solo and have the drums kick in and, and everything. And I don't know. It's just Again, the, yeah, the, it just yeah, seemed the, like more yeah. of the same to me. The solo yeah, was great. It, it, I just, I don't, I think it was more of like people find this as the standout. So I had higher expectations of it and then I heard oh. it and then it just kind of, I think I liked everything better and maybe it's a placement issue. Maybe if I, it was a little bit earlier on in the album, I would have liked it more, but it just, I yeah, almost that's what, couldn't tell it was like a different song. Would that's, it be better for you guys if the outro solo was not two and a half minutes? Uh, I like that part, actually. Yeah, that yeah, was that's almost that. the part that saves <laughs> it. Yeah. I don't know. Like, to me, that's just the, you know, at, at 630, the song is basically out of ideas. Well, yeah, I mean, it, really it goes on Dave's for too better. long. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, it's one. it's like, I don't hate this song, but I wish they would have kind of worked on it a little bit more, maybe, and got more kind of precise. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm a fan of a strong closer, as you know. It's weird that it this was a single, a single. Yeah, it needs a chorus. Yeah, it does. It does need a chorus. I don't think the one world, one soul kind of cuts. Yeah, I'm, sur- I'm surprised. Yeah, part, the part Bad, after yes. that is 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 great. That atmospheric yeah. part with that synth that that Chris mm-hmm. played is great. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I, 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 I want to see more of that. Uh, and I, unfortunately, that was it. But uh, yeah, it's weird I, that this was. I think this was one of the three singles that was released. I don't know why they wouldn't have chosen like yet another movie. I think is a much better <laughs> kind of. No, they chose this eight, almost nine minute ditty. Yeah, is the third. I think it was. The, I think it was the third single that was released after uh, uh, after learning to fly and uh, and the turning away. Like yeah, it's okay. interesting too because one slip the, maybe. <laughs> was this one, is the song that got me into the album. I remember Mark wow. saying, hey, check out this song, you know, and then I got into the album from this song as opposed to just a saw being a song on the end of the album. So I wanted to listen to the album because, oh, yeah, man, I love that song. Let me check out what else is on there. And then instead of going top to bottom. So that could probably have something to do with. What oh, yeah, Alex. Yeah, as well. yeah, Alex, yeah. you were right. Yeah, one slip was the third single. Yeah, for some reason, I thought this song oh, was also no, released I, as I, one. Yeah. I, I was, I thought it wasn't, and I was saying more of like, why wasn't it? But I'm yeah, I, I, I just, I just looked on the uh, the Wikipedia singles from the right. Yeah, it was learning to fly uh, on the turning away, and then one slip was the last one. I thought. This, Let's be honest, was, though, learning yeah. to fly is really the only real single. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's just sure. a point and shoot after that. It's. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's get into the uh, into the cage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Time for some octagon action here. All right. We ready? Yeah. So for some blood. Let's who's, get... who's who's I'm got ready. the table that I'm gonna crack over somebody's back here? <laughs> All right. Everybody ready for seven yep. for the bye. All right. Yes. Yes. 
Okay. Um, question number one, true or false? Uh, though they contributed it, uh, in the studio, Nick and Rick received no songwriting credits. Come on. Oh. I think that was that was Mark. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go. That is true. They did not receive any songwriting credits. Correct. Yeah. Once again. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think Dave was gonna give him that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Letting him yeah. back in the band was good enough. Yeah. It's very interesting job security. Just being like there. All you have to do is just show up for the tour and you're paid a yeah. fortune. Drop right. sticks. Get the next a million dollar check. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, okay. Question number two. Um, uh, true or false? Uh, Dave sought the help of electric music pioneer Brian Eno to help compose the hit single One Slit. True or false? Oh. Alex. Uh, that would have been cool, but that is false. You are correct. Yes. Uh, do you know who it was? Uh, Phil Manzanera. Yeah, uh, who was also in Roxy Music with Brian Eno. Yeah, so that's uh, so that was kind of their connection. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, I don't know if Dave was a Roxy Music fan, which I am not. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's one band I could never get. Uh, all right, uh, question number three. Um, the album briefly peaked at number one in England, but just missed the top spot in the U.S. Oh, Marxist, quick on the gun. Yes, well, Mark. I, I'm going to say uh, um, false because it didn't uh, miss the top spot. It was not even, it was number three. It peaked at number three in the U.S. Correct. You were right. Okay. I, I yeah, honestly they, don't know about the U.K. It was number three as well. Yeah, no, it was it was number three in both the U.K. and, uh, and the U.S. Okay. All right. Okay, Mark's uh, got the lead Mark's here. All right. Here. All right. Um, okay, we got a multiple choice question here. Okay, um, according to uh, Storm Thorgerson in his book *Mind Over Matter: The Art of Pink Floyd*, uh, he lists two inspirations for the album cover. Which one was not an inspiration? Uh, was it A, uh, a lyric from the song? B, a rough drawing uh, Dave brought in? Or C, uh, from a dream Storm had after listening to the record? <laughs> uh. Yes, Alex. I'm going to take a guess on this. I actually don't know, but I'm going to say it was not from a drawing that Dave brought in. Uh, no, unfortunately, no, that no! was. No! Uh, yeah, he did I bring in a rough sketch. I wanted to win sketch. this one. Yeah, so Alex is eliminated. Yeah, pushed Damn out it. of the ring. What? <laughs> Bloodied and scarred. All right. I'm just going to keep quiet over here because I don't know which one I, was I, It's all right. I, I which feel one like wasn't it, Chris? Was uh, it the dream? Uh, correct. Yeah, from a dream storm had. No, it was yeah okay. uh, from a lyric uh, in. I can't remember which song it was. I don't know why I didn't write that down, but uh, I'll have to check my notes. Anyway, um, all right. So Mark has hasn't won yet, but he's one away. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. True or false? Um, the new. God, what are, what are those signs? I know because I hated them so much. Yeah, what were they? A, a new uh, machine. Yeah, the yeah. Okay, I was right. Uh, the new machines part one and two were the first songs uh, to be solely credited to David Gilmour since Childhood's End, off of Obscured by Clouds. True or false? Oh, I Holy read this someplace. Crazy. I read this someplace. Damn it! I think I actually knew this one. Well, you're you're uh, you're. I know. You're, I you're, know. you're dead. <laughs> you you. <sighs>
Yes, Kevin. I, it's I, I'm probably going to be wrong on. The, I know it's got to be something off obscured by clouds, but I'm not sure if it's childhood's end. But I'm just going to say true. You are correct. Oh yes. Yes. You got oh, through. I, yeah, I didn't really know if it was one of those Chris trick questions. The doors I knew were closing Dave, on the alien ship. I knew <laughs> Dave just flew uh, yeah. through. I knew Dave did write childhood childhood's end, but I didn't know if that was going to be like the last one. Ooh, okay. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, okay. True or false? Uh, yet another movie became a staple of the Gilmore era. Live Floyd. True or false? Yes, Kevin. I am. Oh, boy. Now I'm uncertain about this. I'm going to say false because I think I've only seen it played on the you, delicate sound. You were right. Tour. Ding, 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 ding. Yes. What yeah, song yeah, was they, it? What song? Uh, yet another movie. They stopped playing it after the uh, the momentary tour um, okay, for whatever okay. reason, which I can't imagine why. But uh, yeah, what can you do? All right. We got a tie here. Okay. Who will be the... Uh, uh, let's it's gonna see. win in the octagon tonight. All right, we're, we're going ten rounds. Okay. All right. Here is a biting uh, true or false here. Let's see what you guys can do. <laughs> oh, All right. No. Okay. Um, the biting guitar part at the beginning of sorrow. What, oh, actually, no. You actually answered that question, Kevin. In your never mind. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take that one. Oh, get no. get Mark eliminated. He, he no, I didn't. I I, yeah, oh. I I didn't get through the whole. Uh, that would have been a good one, but uh, it's all good. All right. All right uh, okay, we got another uh, multiple choice here. Um, the electronically processed spoken word part uh, on Signs of Life was spoken by which member? Was it A, Nick Mason, B, Dave Gilmore, or C, Rick Wright? Ooh. Mark. I am just going to do this because, you know, either way it goes, I like blaming the guy, so I'm going to say Nick Mason. Oh, you are right. Oh, oh yes. He finally yeah. did something good for me. Give me a ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding <laughs> for uh, for our uh, master oh. of ceremony there. All right. right. So he gets, so I'm, for somebody as enthusiastic as he is about this album, I think he's happy to get that extra. I think so. I yeah, I was going to say, gotten, even though I lost, I feel like Mark is going to pick up the slack for me. Oh, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, we didn't know where that was going. Coming. Yeah. All right. Get that uh, trigger finger ready. And now, love it or flush it. All right. Tonight's order for the love it or flush it, Mark, myself, Kevin, and Chris starting it off track one, the intro, Signs of Life. Mark, what are we giving it? Uh, we're giving it the big T. <laughs> right off the bat. I don't know if that's a first for the show, but yeah, this song does zip for me. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, you know what? I was, man, I was thinking about it, and I think I have to agree. Yeah, give it the T. I, I, I like it, but it just it seems like the weakest. And yeah, you could be, uh, you could be cheap and pick one of the transition tracks towards the end, but I feel like it it fits where this one. It's just like, eh. So, all right, Kev. Um, wow. I'm actually a little bit surprised because, um, I was planning on teeing this myself. <laughs> I think we're all coming to the same realization after. I like thought Alex I was going to say, be we the don't talk one. about this beforehand. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, uh, as much as I'd love to terminate this, uh, there's something else I hate more, uh, even though I really do not like this song. So I'm going to give it a very passionate flush. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Let's move it on over to the big single on the album, track two, Learning to Fly, Mark. Yeah, big love. Wish I were back in Miami right now. Yep, I will I will second that as well. Big love. Kev? Yep, same here. I might not come back to it much, but uh, every time I do, I enjoy it. Big love. All right, and Chris? Uh, yeah, big, uh, big love for me. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think there anything else to be has to be said about it. Yeah, you know, I I do have one thing to say about it. It is interesting. It is the the hit from the album, I suppose, or the big single. But it is one of those big hit singles that I don't have a problem going back to for some reason. Maybe because it really wasn't mm-hmm. that comparatively as big as Comfortably Numb, which I never need to hear again. Right, right. Yeah, I, I back that. All right, track three, The Dogs of War. Mark, that's gonna be uh, pulling the handle. <laughs> Get Gene out of my Pink Floyd. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, is maybe as cheesy as the lyrics are. I could never do that to Tony. Big love for me. Kev? Oh, Alex, you're going to hate me here, but because of the way we're doing this album tonight, I'm going to have to give this the flush as well. <sighs> He's going to be left standing with a lone love. <laughs> Come on, Chris. What do you got? Yeah, I know. I know where Chris is going. Hit me yeah. with it. Yeah, I, I, I love the uh, that drum part and the guitar solo, but yeah, overall, I just can't stand this song. So I'm gonna f- another passionate flesh. Yeah. All right. That's fine. Okay, anyway, moving on over to track four, One Slip. Mark, give it to me. Yeah, I am so stuck. Uh, like, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches with two buys. I don't know which two I, of the three I want to use, uh, but I think I have to buy this one. It's yeah, so good. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any surprise here. <laughs> Ring me up multiple times. Thank you. <laughs> Taking out a high interest loan to buy this yeah. one. Yeah. Kev, your thoughts? Uh, I'm unsurprisingly going to save my buy, but I'm going to give it a massive love. What's yeah. not to like here? And Chris. Make it rain. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> Bring it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild because, Kevin, we were talking earlier in the week. And uh, I mentioned this song, and you're like, actually, you're making me like this song a little bit more. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'm the only one that's really going to like be emphatic <laughs> about it. But so far, it looks like we're all kind of on the same page. So It, it was I'm... just so much fun to see you discover it, honestly. Like, I yeah. liked it before, but seeing you discover it was like, oh, man, this is, this is, this is a great song. You know? Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. All right, track five, last song on side one, on the turning OI. Mark, what do you think? Uh, I am stuck. I, I don't know. I don't want to go first, but I guess I, yeah, I guess I have to use my second buy on this one. Like they just go so well together. They just, they're just so, like I said before that they're, um, you know, it's so balanced, but it's, it's, it's just 10 million minutes of well-balanced Pink Floyd that I think any listener needs to hear. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it a strong love as well, even though I will say it's a bit of a, downer after one slip i think it ends the album or ends the side really well and it's a good ballad so yep uh kev uh gonna give it a, a massive love um this is the one that tony uh i'm gonna call him out on giving the love to right here uh, i'm sorry that i flushed dogs of war for you alex but no it's it's an incredible song through and through yeah and chris 
another massive love for me. Yeah, it's just a very unique kind of uh, journey song. Yeah, you got the slow build up from the acoustic guitar all the way into the massive kind of what we love Dave soloing. Yeah, what can I say? <laughs> cool. All right, let's flip the record over. Yet another movie slash round and around. Yes, we are combining the two. Uh, Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, in combining the two, it kind of brings it down a bit because I don't think there's a really whole lot in round and round or round and around that I um, think add to the song. But I will give both a love because there's just a yearning quality about this that is only available in 1987. So get it now because it might not be there later. And this one, I got to say, Kev, you saved it for me. Really appreciated yes. your efforts here. Your hard work paid off. Uh, gonna give this one a love. I, I I don't know if I was gonna go as far as to flush it, but it was definitely one that I, I don't know. I think I liked everything maybe a little bit more outside of like sorrow. Uh, well, shit, I kind of ruined that. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just I, it, it wasn't one that stood out for me that much. And after you playing that clip and selling it for me, it really did. So big love and yourself, Kev. All right. Unsurprisingly, I'd be remiss not to give my favorite Pink Floyd song a buy. Um, I will have to say that when I was planning on doing this as around and around as a separate track, that would have gotten the flush instead of the Dogs of War. But we got to put them together, and round and around isn't really, you know, it's just kind of there, and it doesn't bring the song down for me. So, giving it the big buy for yet another movie. All right, and Chris. Yeah, round and round doesn't kill it for me either. Yeah, if I had a second buy, this would have been the one. Uh, yeah, this All is just right. A, I love hearing that. <laughs> this is even with the broken wings kind of vibe. I which I I love that too. So I can't okay. hate this. Does yeah. it, doesn't Chris, Chris have Chris. an opportunity here? Yeah, you, you do have a second buy to share between momentary lapse, division bell, and endless river. Oh, do I really? Mm. Yes, you do. And I. <laughs> Let's see you using it on the endless river. We'll see. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'll buy this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Buy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, and I don't care. Yeah. The round and round is a great little. I don't know. It's got that those vibes. Yeah, yeah I prefer that I love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so do I. Right. So do I. <laughs> but all right, and then let's move it on over to a new machine, part one, track seven, Mark. Yeah, it's nowhere near as innovative or amazing as Dave uh, is is stroking it up to be, but uh, I still think it's it's nice and frosty. So stay frosty, Dave. Big love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I saw what you did there. I'm going to give this one a love as well. I just I, I know on its own, uh, I, I just I feel like it would be unfair to get rid of it, and it really goes just with tr- Terminal Frost, that whole suite. I feel like it needs to be there. So love for me, Kev. Giving it the big love. Can't flush the Guardian forever, so yeah. no, it stays. Chris, yeah, yeah I don't, Chris. I don't know, what, I don't know what that is. So I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna flush this one. <laughs> I guess I'm not a Trekkie like you guys. <laughs> Went in doubt, don't know what it yeah. is. I, I don't know. I, 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 I was thinking of giving it a light squeeze uh, because of uh, uh, Kevin and Alex explaining the concept, but uh, it's not enough. And after remembering that Neil Young did something similar like three or four years earlier, I just no. I just don't not forget it. Yeah, I will say the 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 Dave comments kind of took me down from a strong love to a moderate love there. Love, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, bring it on over to track eight, Terminal Frost, Mark. You know the funny thing is that um, this song has got probably the best moment of Pink Floyd, really, of 
I don't know, it's a top three Pink Floyd moment to me, but there's not a whole lot around, there's not a whole lot of substance around it. So um, I wouldn't have bought this. It was between yet another movie and on the train away. So um, this just gets a moderate love, a fair love, just, uh, you know, for that glorious moment of Pink Floyd. Yeah. Or not Pink I, Floyd, but, you know, 87. I, I was thinking this would have been my second buy if I had it, uh, just because I would want to pick one from side two. But... Yeah, I don't know. If anything, it's a massive stocks on the rise. So big love for me, Kevin. Yeah, I uh, gotta say the same. I, I didn't realize that the discussion was going to be so in favor of this song. Actually, this is one I had no idea what was going to be going in. So it's nice to see that this gets some love. All right, and Chris. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it uh, kind of like with Mark. Yeah, not a strong love, but just a good love. There's a lot of cool stuff here. Um, yeah, despite it not having lyrics, which I wish they would have written a normal song around it, and that overly 80s saxophone, which mm-hmm. uh, they it, it kind of pushed it over the edge for me. But again, in the how long? What, this is what six minutes long. How long is the song? Six seventeen. Yeah, there's yeah. there's a lot there's a lot here I like or not here that I like where I gotta I gotta give it a I gotta give it a hug. <laughs> All right, let's bring it on over. Let's wrap up the suite. A new machine part two. Mark. Oh, this is where it starts to get tricky. This is where the album starts to get rocky. Um, I mean, I don't think that you can flush this or terminate this without terminating a new machine or flushing a new machine. Um, I kind of want to just give them the flush just for not being bold enough just to put a whole nine minute track on there and segmenting it. I'm like, what is a 38 second track doing on my CD? Like, what is it? Yeah. Like, what a 30... Um, you know what? I'm giving it the flush. That 38 seconds, it's just, it just so meaningless. Yeah. Man, I wasn't gonna do it, because I kind of like how it bookended it. But if you're really thinking about it, I don't know if it's that necessary... And even though I really don't care for the next song, I, I'd feel bad getting rid of that over this now in retrospect. I think your your point right there, Mark, saved it. So I'm actually going to give it a flush as well. <laughs> that was... That... That was that was an eleventh that was a eleventh hour move right there. That was five seconds left on the uh, draft pick, and we we swapped the draft picks. So, all right, Kev. Oh, I'm so disappointed right now. That's okay though. For those of you with the original vinyl pressing, you don't really care um, if it's 38 seconds on your CD. Um, I'm keeping it around. I'm giving it a love. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I do, I I, but yeah, I don't know. It's that weird thing in the part it's of like the a game. rap interlude. <laughs> like, why you just delete every song less than a minute? It's yeah. probably not adding much. It's not yeah. fair to do that, but it's like part of the game. I know it's cheap. Anyway, Chris. All right. In the words of the uh, great uh, Sarah Connor from uh, T1, uh, "Your terminated effer." <laughs> <laughs> Chris has a raging hate for this one. Yeah, I I didn't like it uh, the first time around in here with the more emphasis on the effect. I hate. I just have a deep. Yeah, it makes the hate run even deeper. So yeah. All hey, right. you're consistent. You terminated or flushed both sides of it. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's and then we'll finish it off with sorrow, Mark. Uh, again, I wish this is just an unenviable unenviable position to go first. 
I don't, it's going to really annoy Kevin if I flush it. <laughs> it might be kind of fun in itself. So let's see oh, what kind of face Kevin makes on the camera before I decide which way this one's going. I mean, I, I absolutely love the 80s red light district vibe, but man, at 846, without really saying a whole lot new, I feel like I'm talking myself into a flush, aren't I? <laughs> Really talking. I don't know. I maybe gotta listen to this one again, but until then, pull the handle. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so the album begins with learning to fly with you and ends with, uh, yeah, what does it end with you? Uh, Terminal, Terminal Frost. Frost. Okay, all right. <laughs> but I, I would take a new machine if it were a part of Terminal Frost and on its own stupid 38-second track. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like Terminal Frost is a great closer. I mean, all those yeah, instruments, kind of Metallica it style. Is. To, yeah. It but is. But really have that... Man, Mark, and Mark, I'm almost I'm almost trying to like kind of listen to Mark and see what he's going to do since we're so aligned on this album. Yeah, Man, originally I was gonna originally I was gonna get rid of this one just because the most of it it just sounded like everything else. But the guitar solo was good at the end. Shit. <laughs> uh, all right, I'll get I'll give it the lightest of squeezes just because yeah. of the guitar solo. So yeah, all right, Kev. Yeah, it's too bad I didn't win the seven for the buy because this would have been my second buy. Yikes! As it is, <laughs> I can only give it a uh, a love and a strong love at that. I don't care if the, you flush it; that's fine. It doesn't bother yeah, me. He's I'm got an endless supply of rubber gloves over hey, there. Hey, we, yeah. we backed you up on your Chris favorite song. Chris's rubber gloves. Chris's rubber gloves. Chris's rubber gloves. He's got at least four, and he's ready to slap that latex on his wrist and go dig out. Yeah, Chris, what are you giving this one? Um, yeah, I'll give it a love. I mean, I know I complained a lot about it, but there were some things on here that I really like, and I would I don't want to see them go down the drain into the sewers. So yeah, I'll give it a love. All yeah, right. I kind of feel bad with my flush, but eh, that's what you get when you go first. I don't know if I have any more rubber gloves. Let me take a look. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got one left. I got one left. Pull me down gloves. into the second <laughs> tank, but apparently not. They yeah. leave me hanging with the... Yeah. Yeah, All right. it's 846 in the solo. I don't know. I'm just not buying... Like, the solos that everybody thinks are the great Dave solos, I'm just not really into. And, like, I'm all about, uh, you know, like, uh, not now, John. Oh, boy. You know, or, you know... Uh, <laughs> Final Cut and, you know, all the Dave work yeah. on there. I, I don't right. need to I don't remember to anything about the Final Cut except for the Final Cut. Yeah, that, but that's... that's, that's I think you have to give some leeway to Sorrow, considering that the first two minutes is that awesome guitar sound. Yeah. I that, that, for that. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not as... Yeah, there are some better guitar openers it's cool it's like it's it's an effect that's very neat but you can't anchor you know the song can't just be I, you know, when it, i yeah. see an 846 closer i expect something brilliant yeah like that like not, and, and, I, and it's just not there like i said this is i, yeah, I, I don't know what would give you that indication though because most long closers are are not i think the vocal like yeah i think the vocals i think really did it for me it's just the way he delivers it just feel it feels like okay there he's there okay the refuel light is on you know somebody give Dave, some, uh, yeah, some, uh, uh, some well, amphetamines, I don't know. <laughs> Looking back at this, I mean, I think Bike is an incredible closer. Um, Alex and Kevin disagree. Uh, Jug Band Blues is a closer. Kevin disagrees. Um, dramatic thing. Yeah, I think everyone agreed that that was garbage, oh. along with a Spanish piece. Like, wow, what a one-two punch to the end of the album there. Um, Grand Vizier's Garden Party. Yeah, I see the flushes and terminates flying. Oh. 
Uh, Alan's psychedelic breakfast flushes and terminates her flying. Come on, Big Floyd. Echoes, yeah, we finally did it. Absolutely curtains, a universal terminate closing out obscured by clouds. Boy, um, eclipse, yeah, universal love. Shining you crazy diamond got two terminates. Uh, Interesting from Kevin and Alex there. Pigs on the Wing got two terminates from uh, Kevin and Dad and yeah, Outside the Wall. Fun. Well, we just flushed and terminated the whole back half of that <laughs> album. Didn't, didn't, didn't even get two to flushes that, yeah. and a terminate on Final Cut. I think Scott's was a joke there, so uh, credit to that one. And uh, hey, this might be one of Pink Floyd's stronger closers as it is, but uh, hey, come heh, on. thought a band that's as creative as Pink Floyd would have been a little bit more creative with their closers. All right, so you stay, stay. High hopes. Boy, that's what I'm talking about. 834. I don't want to give anything away from next episode but high hopes yeah that's a song and that's a closer right. and that's right. an eight minute 34 second that i'm expecting all right we well good? that'll wrap that up is anybody changing their ratings uh, i think i might stick at my six uh, six and a half yeah i thought about balanced. bumping to an eight but then i realized that the songs that i love are you know pretty top heavy and you know the moments that i gush over are kind of short segments of songs so i will probably stick at a 7.5 I think I, I, I think I'll bump up. I'll go up to eight. What about you, Kev? I'm stick of where I'm at. Okay. I, I have to, I feel. I, th- I, th- I, think, I think Kevin selling me on yet another move, movie was the big uh, takeaway here. That was, and, pretty, uh, that, that was pretty great. That was good. <laughs> you did it. You did it. Uh, if so. there's one thing I wanted during this entire show, that was it. So that's mission accomplished right. for me so for go. the 30 seconds that open our show and best represent this album oh boy do chris i, have I know two. you got an idea yeah. let me throw <laughs> out a song that i did flush and sorrow and that just this part here. Just to me, that really sums up the album. Uh, no, uh, I have to disagree. I think people, I think you guys might know where I'm going, and I think you guys might agree. Um, one slip. I mean, I can't. Just that chorus and pre-chorus is just such a. Thank you. What Thank part? You. Or, or no, at chorus? 158. If I were a fan and clicking on that link to watch, listen to this, uh, to this episode and I heard that opening, I'd get excited. I love wait. that segment of music, but it doesn't represent the album. I don't know. It's way too upbeat. What do you guys think? I don't know. I, I think it's just a, uh, as far as the strong songwriting on here, I think it's, I think it's a great. I mean, um, I agree. I agree with that. Like, I would love that. It's my favorite song on the album and a top five Floyd song at this point. But I, I guess I get what you mean. I almost would, be honest, I would almost pick something out of yet another movie, Terminal Frost or even Sorrow, because just those three songs, they, they all kind of sound the same, but like that's the majority of the album, kind of that sound. So maybe something out of there. I don't know. Uh, Kevin, I do you have a yet another movie suggestion? Uh, Sure. I would say probably going into the end here. Let's see. Or you can play uh, it. <laughs> Start that. <yeah. laughs> Faces, eyes yeah. of rain. 
Yeah, yeah that's, I'm a hundred percent on board with that, especially yeah, with like, fades into the setting sun. Yeah, you know, you know what I like about it? with the solo too. It can fade into you into your part mark where you start talking at the beginning. Yeah, I think that'd be a great kind of uh, transitional kind of thing uh, into like the start of us discussing it. Yeah, okay, I can I do. Well, I'm d- yeah. definitely not going to say no to that. Though. Yeah, no, I, I, okay, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give okay. up my one slip. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got it. We got uh, momentary lapse reason. What a fun episode. What a fun time uh, to be alive in uh, uh, the era of Pink Floyd. That is in transition, uh, I suppose, still, which is kind of weird to say after all these years, but uh, about to bring back Nick and uh, Richard as, I guess, you know, full members of the band or at least participating members of the band with uh, Division Bell coming up. Uh, We are leaving the 80s, just a short little stopover in the 80s for Pink Floyd, really, and uh, closing out on what many would consider uh, the last Pink Floyd record, uh, if you would consider the Endless Rifford an an afterthought, although we will We'll be covering both and we look forward to uh doing that because division bell yeah that's a good one too so i'm looking forward to covering that seeing if it still holds up the test of time for me and uh yeah we'll see what the guys think so we will see you next time next week for pink floyd's division bell.